show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer episode 75. It is me, Russ the Faceville, and I'm joined by two very special guests today, and that's... Uh, uh, what can I call you, Jimmy? Jimmy? James? <laughs> James is prefer- fine. James, James is fine. James. James Hinsdale. Him because of my WhatsApp name. <laughs> I, I just so, every time it's like it's like Captain Kirk in my head. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had that a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> and uh, and Richie, uh, who we've mentioned on the show before. Hello. Hi, Richie. Um, thanks for coming on, guys. So um, today's show. We're going to just talk a little bit about um, Six Nations team events, um, some of the lists that you guys used, and and our sort of initial reactions to the General's Handbook. Um, not in any great detail because I'm trying to keep my mind focused on the ETC and they're playing Old Warhammer, which I've been in this position before and it's rubbish. <laughs> so, um, oh, so I hate it. I, I, yeah. hate, I hate that you're playing Old Warhammer. I don't. Whoever voted on that, crazy. Yeah, because it stops. I think people who are interested in following it being interested in it because it's like, oh, well, besides supporting your friends or your country or whatever, it's old stuff that is irrelevant in some ways. It's annoying. Yeah, don't, 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 yeah. It's, it's irrelevant from a perspective of looking at, oh, that's an interesting list and how does that interaction, competitive interaction work? And I, I, I did it in the past when it was a edition change. Yeah. And it was between 7th and 8th edition, which was a massive change. And I was played 7th edition when 8th edition was out in like June. And it was, it was, yeah, it was frustrating. Anyway, um, <laughs> probably a good idea just to get you guys to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about yourselves. So, um, do you want to start first, James? Yeah. Um, well, I'm James. I've been playing Warhammer for what, about a year and a half now? Come up to two years. Um, I didn't play 7th, so I'm not that cool. Uh, Played a lot of Sigma though. <laughs> you don't have uh, to be. Some you... horror stories about seven. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing because um, um, we were at the heat and we were talking about stuff you could do in seventh and eighth, and and you were like, "What is My this?" Because you, you're you, cause you're completely new. Like for stories. me, it's like it's just it's amazing. Yeah. When Bill was going on about the impact hits from his chariot through all the units, who then all panic tested off the board. I was like, "What?" You could move off the board? <laughs> and I didn't even know you could move that off the board. That was amazing. Um, uh, anyway. But yeah, so I've been playing... Um, I, I play as many tournaments as I can. I'm really a tournament addict, uh, mainly because I go with Mitchell all the time. Um, play a number of different armies at the moment, predominantly playing Deepkin. Um, I've had relative success with Deepkin, um, some good podiums. Uh, You've got really a couple of trophies, events. haven't you? Yeah, so far this season I've got about six or seven trophies, so I'm doing, I'm doing okay. The biggest one was probably the Heat 1 win, which was massive. Um, Stop talking about that. No, but... but <laughs> no, it's deserved. You know, at any Heat, um, you have to win five games, but then be fortunate enough that your army's painted, you know, you've got sports boats and all that. There's other elements that come into it, as you know. Um, so very fortunate to come out on top on that one, because you can win five games, it's a great weekend, but just not. So I was very lucky to win that one. 
Um, I did the commentary for Heat 3 recently. People might have heard my voice from that as well. Uh, it was very fun to work with Max and watch everyone else's games. But just a big enthusiast for Warhammer. Um, really looking forward to the new season with the new GHB. And I'm very, very jealous that I'm not on the ETC plane to uh, join you in Serbia. Um, but well, um, I'll support you in spirit. Booked our flights with Air Serbia, so we might not survive the flight. So <laughs> the I've bags even, might not arrive. No, nor did I. But apparently, <laughs> it's better than changing planes. So I, I I'm like, I don't know. I've had Scandinavia quite a lot, um, and like Serbia, not really, well, not really Scandinavia, but yeah, that's not the place I've I've never heard of Air Serbia or seen an Air Serbia plane. So I don't know. But yeah, yeah it, it probably turn up as a bus, but. That's fine. Yeah, big on Sigma, and one of the bigger things we do as well is I play obviously as Richie Store, just play. So we play together as a community. So I really joined the the game through that community. So I play with all the guys there, Ian and obviously Richie have their podcast. And my friends Tom, and we all play at the store. So that's really kind of energized the the way we play the game as well because we're all challenging each other to play the game and think about the game in different ways, which I think not a lot of people have access to. So I feel very fortunate to have that as well. So that's another. Yeah. And, to why I enjoy the hobby as well for me it's not just the gaming side but the social like yourself les all the guys i've met along the way and i thought doing this tonight was amazing because the first heat i ever went to i played les um and i almost beat him but i, I ended up getting smashed um but he he told me about face hammer and uh the rankings and all this kind of stuff and he was just amazed that i didn't know anything about that kind of stuff yeah so and now it's really he hard to, to it's really easy to like forget that some people might just go to tournament and not know about anything about the scene community, anything like that. Yeah, because that's just before I, I met Richie and the Just Play guys, and I was like playing at my local GW store on a Saturday morning, and that was it. That's all I would do uh, at a thousand point battles just on my own. Go up and smash some kiddies up. Yeah. Well, they, and then they be like, I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to win that tournament. I'm that good. And you go there and yeah. you're like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> everyone in the shop at the time had Silverneft because they'd just come out. They were like the new hotness. So everyone was painting yeah. them. Obviously, I had no idea because I had my little flesh eater court ghouls uh, before they had the new tone. And I just yeah. get absolutely ravaged because they, they, yeah. they're just so hard to hurt them. Um, so yeah, so that's that's a little bit about me. But uh, yeah, just really, I'm really big into the hobby. Like massive. So you, hobby. you kind of like answered my question, but I'll, I'll ask it. You you said you played in your local GW and went to a tournament. What? Why did you go to a tournament? What was the push that made you go? The, uh, just because I'm, I'm a big sports fan. Um, I come from a competitive nature. So for me, it's not enough to just play. I like to compete against other players. So I felt like, because it, it was a world, um, a Warhammer World Heat that I went to. Right, uh, it was the old GW Heats. Exactly. So I was like, oh, I'll go to a Heat. That's where all the players must go. It'll be fun. I'll probably lose four or five games. Um, but it'll be amazing to see that side of the game because you hear about match play. And obviously, my local store, I wasn't really playing you know, at a more elevated level. So it was really interesting to go. And when I, obviously, when I saw it, and I knew nothing about you know people's perception of like, oh, you know, tournament players and all this stuff. Um, I just went and had it. It was like an amazing time, like amazing time. Meeting Les was great as well. I think meeting Les... Because uh, you know how chatty he is, and like how you know how he yeah. carries as well. So, and that was just an, like another level. Um, so I was like, oh, was like, these these guys are great. And then, so it just inspired me to do more. And obviously, being at Warhammer World and seeing the armies in the cabinets and going, I don't know if anyone's been, but if you go into the gallery and see all the dioramas, it's just phenomenal. Um, so it's just an, it's it's just a fantastic weekend, and that really just inspired me to start going. And then when I met Richie at the store, we started going to a lot of more independence together because obviously you can travel with friends. 
Yeah. Um, and it's just and it's just grown from there, really. And you get to know everybody at the events. You see a lot of familiar faces when you're there as well. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I remember when mm-hmm. I first started on the the war in Warhammer tournament play. It was through the heats, um, and that was back. Oh, I show my age now. Year two two thousand and two, maybe two thousand one. Um, was it that long ago? I might be wrong. Yeah, it's, it seems like a long time ago. It probably was. Um, <laughs> and then that makes um, me feel bad. Only playing two hours. I mean, two years. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and and they two thousand one. Yeah. And then they stopped actually um, doing the heats. So all through 8th edition of Warhammer, and I think halfway through 7th, there was no heats at Warhammer World. There oh. was Throne of Skulls, which was like a hobby, compet- well, not even competitive, it was like a hobby thing they did for a bit, but there was no heats in the final, and that and the independent scene got really big. But it was um, it's great to hear that with that being back and the match play and the buy-in to tournament play isn't a dirty word it's not a dirty thing and you know it's it's really cool um that, yeah, that's I, how you got into it that's, that's awesome yeah and, and so. to close it all off the when i was at heat two with my nighthorn which was like a, a more narrative driven list the guy i played in game five was greg who was at his first ever heat and it was his first ever event obviously he was running gristlegore um but and, and smashed me but um but it was just <laughs> great to see that kind of person because that was me two years ago you know, I was like, yeah. I, that was that, that was me. So it's great to see new people like that coming into the hobby, even now, um, as Sigma celebrates four years. Yeah, there you go. That's great. And then um, Richie, so give us a lowdown on on your sort of hobby journey. Hi everyone. Yeah. So I I played Warhammer quite a long time ago, actually, but nothing for a very long time. So I think I I played third. And I don't know if I played fourth because it was always one of 40,000 for me, really. But, like, you know, when I'm talking, like, I played in the store, I maybe went to, like, a Games Workshop staff tournament or something. No, that was a 40k one, actually. But, <laughs> yeah, I just played a, a little bit back then. You know, had armies. And same as Jim, you know, we think you're the top dog in your shop, you know, and I'm sure I probably wasn't if I went into the wider world. But, um, yeah, like, I, I played a long time back then. Nothing for years. And then when Age of Sigmar come out, I um I, I didn't play it, but I played it General's Handbook one. Once once that started to come out and they started to fill in the gaps and do the points and all the things that like somebody like me, you know, who is competitive and is used to playing in events and things like that needs, then I uh, started to get back into it because the model range is amazing. Like, you know, for me Games Workshop make the best models in the world. It's not even close. I can barely bring myself to paint any other company's models really. But Seeing some of the new Sigma stuff, wanted to get into it, did, and yeah, just started from there. Very, very slow to start with, didn't do much, but then when Age of Sigma 2 come out, we um, we started the podcast that, that I do, Just Saying, and at that point, we had changed my career and I'd opened my own gaming store as well, which is obviously, as Jim's referred to, called um, called Just Play, which is in, in Liverpool. So yeah, as we just you can went, tell just by went, the accent. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um that's so, great so you you've you've basically made a career out of gaming basically you've decided to take the plunge and yeah definitely yeah just we were the, the shop history thing slightly was me and Ian basically started playing a game together and instead of being you know 17 year old children we were 30 odd year old men so it just escalated 
a bit more than um, in the, age, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> still, of still just, young in heart, right? That's right. Know? Yeah. Instead of making you know a gaming table for our kitchen, we you know made the shop instead. <laughs> yeah, we need a bit more space. But yeah, so it's that. That's how we started off all that, and we just when we got decided we were going to play just Sigma properly, we thought you know why not? Let's you know do some of the the stuff that goes along with it because you know unlike Jim I was quite aware of where I wanted it to be and knew that I'd go to events and was aware of all the things that go on you know the content they're creating and you know all the things you can follow etc so I just wanted to be involved in that from the start I really I started just writing a little blog you know to motivate myself on a project um, and set say that you know I'd update it every so often on on the TGA and that was when I started Carrion Overlords and just all carried on from that really and yeah, been playing tournaments now for a good while, probably since before General's Handbook 2, um, playing the Caradron Overlords, if that timeline's right, I'm not sure. But I started off it's with about Caradron, right, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. started off with Caradron Overlords and um, yeah, played them to some success. Um, I don't know if that meant I was good or I could just knew the ranges of my guns. So... I um, yeah, blew some stuff on the board, had some early success, and then, yeah, carried on from there, really. And I've, I've always done okay, you know. I've, I quite... As You're long downplaying as I, it a little bit, aren't you? Well, I, I don't know. I think, like, when I think of Jim talking about, I've won this, I've won that. Uh, I've won, like, loads of stuff. I quite enjoy, as long as, at the end of the event, I'm in it to win it, I, I'm, I'm really happy. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't yeah. gone my way yet in them. You know, except maybe Bobo. Yeah, that went my way, because I got the five. You know, like against you in Heat 1, I'm in it at the end to win it. You know, Masters with you, I'm in it at the end to win it. You know? So <laughs> yeah. we're all we're all yeah. in the mix, aren't we, to win as long? Yeah, it seems like it's all gone your way so far. Well, not Masters, that now went neither of our way, unfortunately. But, yeah. damn. Well, the thing is, like, you're up there competing, um, you know, and you're using Sylvan F. I mean, I know that there was a, a build which kind of come to the fore and... Um, you could, we could we can wind Laurie up here just so obviously you come up with this build that Laurie yeah. copied um, and used <laughs> it way better than he did and thing on it yeah and sort of tried he to just made it. up a story and tried to play and to realize he wasn't that good uh, no I'm kidding <laughs> no, no but honestly like the the, the list um, was you know I would I would say was you're using an older book and um, playing it well um and getting um pretty good success um you know you, and and you'll find that with tournament play i i remember when i first started going to many many events with slightly under par armies or weird army lists um or sort of slightly left field stuff and never quite getting a podium and always around the edges I was always up I was always at like fourth or like eighth or sixth or and I was always in the top 10 or that top bit and every event and I wasn't quite hitting the the podium so then you get one and they suddenly just they just start coming they just start coming and it's it's just it, it you need a bit of luck you need to rub of the green and but at the end of the day the important thing is just to go and play and you know it's you you like you say you're always up in the mix really so uh I think as long, as long as you're there, I'm happy. You know, we all could um, chase whatever is the best army we think at that time and build it and paint it, you know. Sure, you know, most of us, not everyone has the resources to do that, but, you know, I'm lucky I get them cheap. But it's 
whatever. It's not it's not about that. Like for me, there's more to Warhammer. It's not um, a Magic the Gathering tournament, for example, where there's there's so many people and the structures so you know the ra- rounds of Swiss are right and you need to yeah. win everything. You know, it, you know whatever. I could play whatever army I like and. Yeah, if if it goes my way, like you say, the runner green goes my way, then, then I can win it. So I, I think that that's a good thing about war. I mean, it stops it being that extreme that the events um, do allow you to really just play what you want, and you may not put yourself in the best position going into it, but as long as you're decent and you're playing something you like and you've painted models that you like, cause it's all a huge part of it. Then you're good. Because like Sylvanas, I didn't like particularly love them. Um, I picked them because I thought the mechanics looked interesting and they be fun to play when i was you know looking for an army um they, they certainly weren't the best army in warhammer at that point you know they just i think that come afterwards really um you know yeah, yeah they just got a bit better yeah they got a little bit better but they, they were still never really top tier and i think that's um really cool that you know you've obviously i know you see you didn't particularly like love love the silver Nef, but you did do um you you put a lot of time and effort into that army and and it looked really good and then you've you've just started a new kind of project haven't you yeah so now i'm doing fire slayers um because the army i played at six nations well was a man i borrowed an army which was oh felt horrible um <laughs> yeah, it's so- always not the same is it no, the same. I don't like doing that really at all. I think I had to borrow an Alariel for like the first time I used the Sylvanath as well because I couldn't get it done. But, oh, you yeah, know, you fa- did, yeah. Yeah, I had to. I forgot that, yeah. I forgot that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Fire Slayers now. I'm, um, I'm painting them up for the target for them's face hammer. Think, think cool. they'll get finished before that. So they should be for your events. And, yeah, I'm trying even harder than normal, hopefully. Maybe I'd like to get them, you know, in the mix for taking some painting awards home if I can. So the uh, yeah, I'm, I I'd love to see that because I I thought your silver enough were really good, and then you you entered some stuff into the painting competition. I don't quite remember your dwarf character with the really nice beard and cloak, the, the really vibrant green, which really stuck in my head. Um, in the painting competition, hopefully we'll see something from you. Um, it just drives me mad though every time you paint something because I'm like, oh, how did you do that? And he's like, oh, just this old paint I've got in my bag. And it's never, <laughs> it's never something you can buy or use. And I'm like, well, what colour is it? And he's like, oh, I don't really know. It's just this old powder I've got. And it's just like, right, okay, then. <laughs> it's really easy because you just basically, it's better to try and think what you want it to be in your head and match it than, than you know, and, and like, I think as well. And, and it, I used to work with a guy who was an ex-heavy metal painter and people would ask him, oh, how did you paint that? And he's like, with a brush. Yeah. And he's like, because he got so sick of people asking. It was like, when I did my Warriors Army, it's like, how did you do the black? And I'm like, okay, I, I painted, I blended black and turquoise and grey together and then glazed it. It's like, how many stages is it? I said, it just, until it looks right. It's like, it's yeah. no, there is no right answer. It's like... Yeah. It just it just takes time, practice, and patience. There's, there's um, so there's so much out there now for people to learn by that people are very used to that. Like that's what Jim's saying to me. He's expecting me to give the Duncan, you know, three colours and this highlight that we use, isn't it? But yeah, you know, you 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 must have played around when I played with some of the days you said. Like I learned my trade by sitting in the games workshop when I was you know eleven yeah, till eighteen. Yeah, exactly right. Round yeah. the table with three of the guys and you just figure it out. And all you, all you had on the table was um, the Stark 
start, you know, painting set, like the base paint set. Yeah. So you'd have 10 colors. You know, you'd have the primaries, a black, a white, a silver, a wash, you know, whatever else. Yeah. And that's it. You I, know, I remember. I couldn't afford I, anything else. I was 12. So yeah. you just I'll, have to mix it. I'll give you a horror story, right? So um, when I was a kid, um, I had an older brother and uh, he was kind of sort of about old enough to kind of touch models and be all right with them. And I was like eight. And um, we went to, there used to be a, a shop, which was like a camera shop. And upstairs, obviously someone who worked there must have been into wargaming and they had a bits box. And it was a load of old shitty lead models in a box. And it was like 30p or whatever, a model, whatever. And it was like, okay, there's a, I'll pick this one. And it was like a Chaos Renegade Space Marine. I remember it well. And so my, my dad was like, oh, okay, I've got some old enamel paints. So it's all the Humbro enamel, getting the screwdriver and knocking off the, the lid and using white spirit. And it was like, oh, I want to paint in purple because obviously that's the color of a Space Marine. Um, and it was like gloss, purple, Humbro enamel paint, uh, blacked the gun. Then I thought, what would be cool? He had like this ribbing texture on his armor. That, that should be red, right? So red lines, which weren't lines, they were more like squiggles. And then obviously to be the ultimate renegade, you need red eyes. Or which basically turned out to be a red face. Uh yeah, because, red yeah, um, because I'm using an old <laughs> shitty brush and humble enamel paint and um anyway, I I I I had I used to know where it was that model. I, I don't know where it is now. I I do I wish I could find it so I could just show people. Um but I think I think it's um, maybe it's millennials. Maybe it's new people. They, they want everything now. It's like instant access, download, binge watch a series. I just want to know. I just want it now. Yeah. Um, and it, it is just it takes time. I remember my painting journey started. Um, basically, the, the time that I it really clicked for me is I there was a, the manager of the Games Workshop store and it just opened and you know we never used to have one. We used to have like a little model shop called Spot on Models in Swindon, uh, and then they're still actually going. Actually, I mean I know that I actually know the guys who who run it um and their son but that's that was later but basically they the, the games workshop opened and i was like right cool going in there and there was the manager there and he was and i thought he's dead cool and he was a nice guy and he loved goblins and i, I like goblins so i said some little night goblins and he was like right this is how you paint skin okay that was just base coat ink and that was it yeah. like, when you've base coated and inked all the skin come back so i was like okay so I sat there and I base coated and inked all the skin. I was like, okay. Turned up the next week and he was like, right, I've painted the spears red because that's the colour of wood in Warhammer. Um, and then I was like... <laughs> My goblin uh, spears are red now. Yeah, yeah they are now, but awful. it went out of fashion for a while. And then it was like, okay, um, this is how you paint the base colour back over, but leave the ink in the cracks. And I thought, wow, this is, this, this is, this is really tough. I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, obviously the bases had to be goblin green with flock on and then you had to dry brush some sunburst yellow so that was the and green rims always green rims that was the and it was and it was you know like and you and i learned techniques i learned base coating and i i would i wouldn't say i mastered it but i got it down to a good level then i learned it shading then i learned block highlighting then i learned ed well not edge highlighting but highlighting then I learned dry brushing and dry brushing became the most amazing technique in the world for me. And it was like, I'm going to dry brush everything fucking model, every bit of the model. I'm just going to dry brush armies. And I, I bashed out armies. I painted like four or five armies when I was about like 11 and they were all dry brushed. 
Um, and I say armies, it was about 30 models, but in my head, it was an army. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and you just go through that journey, but it's, uh, it's crazy, but, uh, <laughs> it's really weird now because I think like how hard it was to get into the hobby when you, when I was younger and how easy it is now. And yeah, it's going to make you sound like an old fart, but yeah. It, it, is, um, it is easy now. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff out there for people to learn. And I think that like I should take on a lot more of it now because I think I've sort of hit a bit of a cap. Like I don't think I've got any better for a very long time, you know. And I'm talk, I'm not talking, you know, last year this model was bad. I'm talking 15 years ago. The models aren't much better than I painted. And I think some of the new things out there. I need to embrace more early. An airbrush, I think, is, is one. <laughs> I just say it's really interesting to listen to you two talk because as someone who came into it a year and a half ago, never painted a model, um, I have benefited from all of this stuff, you know, the YouTube videos, the painting seminars, the shared knowledge between players. Uh, speaking to somebody like Terry at Heat, uh, Heat 3, where he speaks for 10 minutes, and I'm like, Terry, you just spoke for 10 minutes, I have no idea what you said. Like he's just talking about painting in complex detail, but all of this now um, really helps me come along because my painting's pretty decent, and I've only been doing it for a year and a half. You know, obviously I'm not gonna. You know, I try, my, my Nighthawk is probably my best painted army, um, which got a painting number at the Warhammer Heat. But um, it's like there's so much available to me that if I'm like, okay, I don't le- I don't know how to do rusting or something, I can look at seven different techniques online and pick which one works for me. You know, and I think listening to you two just then, it's fascinating to think how you had to learn almost in the trenches and I've had the matrix overnight course uh, in a year and (laughs) And it's like here we are it is like that Jim you know I've seen your first models recently when um, Fleshy to Court come out you you know you drag drag the old lads down to have a little game and yeah you know them compared to you know your middle-ish armies like your KO or something compared to the Nighthawk you finish yeah it's light and day like in a year yeah yeah exactly and I try I do turn over a lot of stuff actually I do paint a lot of stuff. Like I'm, I'm painting Slanesh now. Like I'm always, th- I think it's always important to keep painting, even if you're not actively growing an army at that period. Just paint something, you know. Yeah, and um, from one in terms of what like Richie was saying about improving, um, it's very easy to get stuck into routine um, in in what I call recipe painting. So I went mm. for a phase of this where you go, how do I paint metal? Well, I paint it black then i dry brush it chain mail then i wash it with black and brown then i highlight it mineral silver that's how i paint metal this is how i paint wood i paint it bestial brown i highlight it with snake bite leather i give it a brown ink then i highlight it with best bite leather again and maybe a little bit of bubonic brown how do i paint and you can i paint bone i paint it snake bite leather i wash it dark brown i paint and then you get into this recipe and then yeah. what you do is yeah. you go that's how i paint bones so you get a model and you go that's going to be bone paint it in bone recipe that's gonna be metal paint it in metal recipe and then you get this bit where you start to think you start to think of color and composition and 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 different techniques and you start experimenting and pushing yourself and you won't ever get better unless you try and do something new and it's not comfortable and it won't look as good as soon as you start. And then you, it's very easy to go back to your old method because you go, I know it works. It's, it works for me and I just want to get paint on the model. But to push your, to push yourself forward, I remember, um, we were on a massive tangent, but anyway, um, when I spoke to, when I met Byron and it was in Cardiff at a tournament and I used to talk to him on the, on the Healing Hammer forums and he, I did a, 
a very stupid. I don't even know why I did it. I was just I just bored. I was trying out dip, and I just took some photos and I wrote a little article, and he based his entire painting technique around that, and then he wow. evolved it to the point now where he's you know, he's a better painter than me, and he just he's like. But he his entire thing about using this soft tone mix thing, it's a dip. It's what he made his own dip and he and he become a commissioned painter and he just painted and painted and painted and painted and painted. And and Byron's um one of those sort of people that he's quite a very visual person, so for him like colours and shade is where his strength is. And and trying to get those like real extreme contrasts and, and it's and he talks to an awful lot of very, very, very talented painters uh, in his job and, and in his is sort of what he gets exposed to. And I think that's the great thing about like where we are now with like the internet, with seminars, with courses. There which wasn't. And it, even I remember talking when I talked to Wayne and he, he regales me with his tales of, of competitive wargaming back before I used to before I used to do it. And they never they never there was no you couldn't go onto a forum and go, What what was strong in this army book? What list is yeah. good? You'd go to a tournament and, and, and you wouldn't even know what people used because no one shared their lists. They were like hidden. You were kept them secret. Would, yeah, I think people would, are way more open and receptive to that nowadays because it, I think it comes from like the Hearthstone, the Blizzard communities where it is all meta-driven and people are used to sharing that kind of information because like You just nowadays, can't hide it nowadays, can you? Let's yeah, be honest, even if you wanted when I, to. When I went to my first heat and stuff, there was like maybe 10% of running top lists at the first of the heat I went to, like less probably was included in that as well. But now, even at Heat 3 this you know, past weekend or Heat 2, I'd say at least 60% of the hall now, whether they're new players or not, like like little Greg that rocked up with Gristlegore, they're rocking up with the top lists because they've got them online and gone, right, I know how this works. I know this is good. I'll learn to play it. And, I, yeah. and that's something that's like coming into the game now. I, I love that. Like the, the one of the things that stood out for me was when I first started playing Age of Sigma was there'd been a South Coast GT of whatever one it was and Games Workshop on their homepage, you know, on, on the mothership, whatever, buy this buy this army you know and you could yeah. like you could see it all you could buy it. i was like oh great you know they, that's when I, I first remember them really embracing it all and oh yeah and doing it yeah. and i thought that that was sweet like yeah the that winning was, list um, yeah. yeah that was a great moment um for us when um oh man massive tangent we actually i think we did a podcast where we called the the faithful where we all podcast eternals i think it was called that was hosted on between bad dice, healing hammer, and face hammer, but we did uh, talked about our the first bit where we were asked to help with the general's handbook and the first Warhammer TV and and you know it was yeah it's 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 anything it was only a few years ago and it's just I mean when I go back into old edition Warhammer the game was just really stagnant in comparison. You just didn't have these updates. You didn't have this meta. You didn't, it was like one book come out, it would dominate for six years. It was, it was literally like that. It was, and lists were very, very um, generic. So everyone had very similar armies. Um, If you played Dark Elves, there was like one or two Dark Elf builds. If you played Demons, there was like a couple builds and they were just so dominant. If you didn't play the, the, those three books like the vampires the demons the dark elves um it, you know you just you just couldn't compete um so the game's in such a, be- a good place um and it's really funny because i it's really easy to forget being someone who's played warhammer 
for so many years that people who are joining the scene now and it, and it's a great thing their expectations they are so high from a a kind of balance point of view and maybe it comes from computer gaming where you know there's patches and things get changed very quickly and it's it's kind of that they're like oh the, this is this is broken and this 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 game's busted because of xyz or whatever you hear them see them on twitter on the internet and you go you've got to live with it for like three months i mean I put up with some of the most broken stuff you can think of for five years and I still turned up my Tomb Kings and got my ass handed to me. But I was going to play my Tomb Kings, damn it. Then they took them away from me when they got good. And No, sorry, I'm turning to an internet um, rager there. You are, you are. You did, you did <laughs> with Tomb Kings or yeah, to the sorry? Masters. Did you win the um, Masters with Tomb Kings? I did, yeah. So, yeah. so you, got, you got to happy day in the sun. I did, I, but I did that to prove a point that they need to be fixed, and then they fixed them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, um, that's good we... though, right? Like that that first yeah. early uh, early insight, like seeing that they were aware of this was an independent tournament. I didn't know anyone, then, but I'd heard that you know the points were coming from what the independents had been doing, and I knew that whoever these people were were involved in testing the game. Now I know these people are, you know, the likes of yourselves, but. That, that was one of the things that made me play it. Like, knowing yeah. that Games Workshop were actually going to support, or I hope that Games Workshop support what I wanted and were listening to people that like me. Um, yeah, one of the reasons I give it a go. It was um, one of the reasons, like, the, the faithful stuck. I mean, besides being, like, the Hallowed Knights um, uh, war cry, was that, that when AOS first came out, and it was tough. It was tough, honestly. Um we 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 kept playing basically. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted yesterday, you know, with this four year thing, and I said props to the guys who who played then because for me, I think I said something like that game was in the bin. You know, I could say harsher words about it. You know, for me, I wasn't I wasn't feeling it back then. It you know, as a, a competitive player, right, it was hard. It's got to be right. You know, don't have any mm. points. A lot of the rules are very fun. <laughs> Um, you know, can you see yourself in a mirror or have you Did got you a hood kneel? on? You know, things like that, yeah. So oh, the it's hard, hard to play a game like that, right? Uh, I, I think, and what I would... Um... I was wrong, I was wrong, right? In those four pages, there was a great game and I played just those four pages for a while and yeah, well, well wrong. But I honestly... It, it, it points. <laughs> on, honestly, I would say that um, from... Games Workshop's point of view, doing doing it that way, and and yeah, you can look back and go, you could execute it better, do X Y Z, but hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Sure. But what I would say is that to do that, to to know that that they something had to change and to make that leap was, well, yeah, it was pretty brave, you know. End of the day, it was it was it it, it was kind of it was kind of inspiring in a way, and I remember. Um, I had I dabbled in other games and stuff. And I still play different games and not really war games, but now I've got a gaming group and they'll go, "Oh, have you seen this this game?" And they'll go, "All oh, right, okay, what's that about then?" And we don't do a lot of miniatures gaming. Um, we do a lot of board games and role play, and they'd be like, "Oh, this game and it's it's, it's really cool." And then like, here's the rule book, and I'm like, "It's a hundred pages," and I'm like, "Fuck that!" And like, I remember <laughs> I used to read the three hundred page Warhammer rule book and the hundred page army books, and not even bat an eyelid. 
I mean, obviously the rules wasn't that much of the book, but obviously Age of Sigma four pages, and that was as a absolutely amazing piece of the game's design. Honestly, um, with it's kind of cheating a little bit because you've got all the rules on all the other War Scrolls, but you know, at the end of the of day, course. the main core rules on four pages to make a game. Um, it was an interesting design challenge, and fortunately enough, I've been able to talk to Jervis directly about about that, and, and yeah, it's it's really cool. But anyway, massive digression. <laughs> but interesting, right? I think. Yeah, right. Because you know, you like you you introduced us earlier on, and we all come from very different backgrounds, don't we, Jim? Two minutes, me aware of it for a long time, but not really done it. You you just lived it for a, a lot of this time, so. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so let's talk about the Six Nations then. So um, obviously, like you two were both on the team this year, new players to to the, the England team, but also to team events in general. Um, so I've done quite a few ETCs and team events and and things like that in the over the years, and Age of Sigma because of the what we were talking about a minute ago and alluding to the competitive play disappearing no points and then coming back has kind of um i'd say the international scene didn't really exist much um it took a long time to build back up i think other countries that weren't close to mecca mecca the right word the warhammer mecca of of nottingham probably got hit a lot harder than um than we did um in terms of the player base changing massively um and i think We've obviously the Six Nations has been a great uh, in Age of Sigmar has kind of been the first, and now this is the first ETC this year for Age of Sigmar, which is great. Um, really happy to go back into the international scene and play the game I want to play and not play a some other version, fan fiction, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you both got on the England team. So, how did you go about getting on the team just just talk about because there's probably people listening go oh it's you know we we're never gonna i'm never gonna be able to do that and obviously particularly for you james only on the scene like two years a year and a half yeah (laughs) i think i was quite fortunate really because i i applied at the same time because me and she discussed it in the shop because richie was applying and i was like well i'll I'll apply as well because i want to see i want to see because i expected to not get in and then be and then understand what the processing criteria was so I could work on it if I wanted to play in the future. Yeah. Um, and I was over in Sweden when Tom called me and he was like, oh, you know, not because I didn't, because I didn't make ATC team, obviously, because I didn't have any team experience, which was one of yeah. Tom's prerequisites anyway. So I knew on that basis, unless somebody was, you know, sat, unfortunately ill or couldn't make it for whatever reason, that I'd have a slim chance of, of making that. Um, and I hadn't played that long, but I really wanted to apply because I thought I play against some of the other country's best players. It'll be great games, but I was really interested in the team format and the team dynamic because we hadn't really done any team events. So I just applied. Um, and obviously I play an awful lot. And I think one of the things that me and Richie are fortunate to have is we have a very close but good competitive group in our local area uh, yeah. at Just Play. So yeah. that speeds the process off on along more when you're playing more regularly but like i mean rich you play a practice game it's probably nowhere near like other people's practice games it's probably like a game five at a heat where Richie will flip the table turn two if he's lost or you know like there's a lot of stress and tension it's not it's not it's a very you know it's a very hard tactical game so very fortunate to have that experience um and then likewise if i make a mistake like richard silverneff will just kill me turn one you just learn yeah. the hard way you know um so it's really good to have that because you become a better player for it so I just applied. Um, 
I did. I knew yourself, obviously. I knew Les, uh, some of the guys from tournaments. I thought everybody else who's associated with it is also ace, you know. So the social yeah. aspect of it as well is very, very cool, very welcoming. Um, and I just really wanted to get involved because, um, like I said, I fully expected not to get in. Um, but then when, when I was picked and Tony was like, "Yeah, you're on the team," I was like, I was just very, very humbled because. Uh, obviously, a lot of people had applied, um, but I was I hopefully proved them right because over the few months, like I've, I've you know been perhaps maybe doing doing better and better. So, and we ended up winning the event. Obviously, spoiler, but um, yeah, I was very very glad to be on the team. And I, I absolutely thought, I thought it was absolutely boss. I loved the pair. Me and Richie played the pairings in the shop, and it was like an addictive mini game in its own. Um, yeah, but yeah. I love I love but I love I love doing it, and it was amazing. And I'll certainly be applying next year. Whether or not I'm on the team, I don't know, but I'll certainly be applying. I think. Um... I remember our first year I applied for the ETC team, the England team, and um I didn't I didn't make it. Um me and Dan both applied and we both didn't make the cut. And um it it feels like a massive knockback and how you how people handle that says a lot to whether you most people never get in on the first year, you know. To, to like the main team, like the ETC team, getting on that on the if you apply, you've never really done it before. Very unlikely to get on that team. It's to, no, and I think it's it's sneak for us, isn't it? Because we have such a strong pool as well. Like yeah. in other countries, they might not have like as big a pool as we do. But if you look at our ETC team, ETC team this year, like Jack comes down from the mountains now and again to win a big event <laughs> and it disappears again. You know, but he's on the team, so it's yeah. like so many players that could could be on the team. Not everybody has a seat, so. Yeah, I certainly like when I did found out I wasn't going to ETC. I was I was not dismayed or wasn't you know upset. I was like that's fine, but I can work on more team events, more experience. You know what do I need to do to put myself in a position where I am under consideration? So um, I think it was really and it, it's a really good experience to go through as well. It'd be interesting that Richie thinks because Richie goes it from a different view. Because I'm sure he'd love to captain the team next year, but um, it'd be really interesting experience to go through and i'd encourage anybody who wants to play to apply and if you do apply and don't get accepted just ask about what you can be doing there's many things that the captain or the committee set out in their stuff so there's always stuff you can be doing yeah and i think the commitment to a team um you know whether that's just helping with practice or list advice or or just being there in case they need you to, if there's a dropout or go into the Six Nations, mm. but not maybe the main event, because Six Nations is eight players, whereas the main event is six players. Um, you know, those sort of things go a long way if you want to go there seriously the next year. And um, I think, I think from my perspective, um, there's, there's some pressure being one of the, these kind of like old guard type, you know, seen as good player um, when you don't, protect win your games or perform as well as you could and people it kind of um it's tough because you know at the end of the day you 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 take your foot off the gas a bit and you don't really play or practice as much as you probably should do and and um end of the day you know it's you do still do lose you know it's not we're not like Jack, jack's not some like mythical um you know undefeated mountain man like you say <laughs> i'm sure he'd argue like otherwise that, He'd yeah, remind well. us all that he's undefeated this year. Um, <laughs> well, I've uh, yeah, he. I mean, Jack Jack is is an exceptional player. Um, no doubt about it. But um, yeah, but there's loads of players like that, right? Like Laurie's yeah. great, Rick's great, you're great, Les is great, Byron's great. Like, there's so many. I mean, Byron's a grand champion himself. Like, you know what I mean? There's so many players that we could pick yeah. from. Um, the, the, the pool is just amazing. 
and, yeah, and, so... and outside of that as well, it just goes on, mm. the list goes yeah. on and on in this country, doesn't it? Because we've got such mm. a thriving scene. So, yeah, and it's easy as well. You can look at rankings, but it doesn't really. It doesn't. The team events are different. Like single single player success in single events doesn't equate to team event or team player success. No, like I, like I would I would argue with Byron. He his strength was team events first, and then he he hit a sweet spot and he got some success at a singles event. But he we did a lot of um, team events with Facehammer in Eighth Edition, and he was always the at tournaments he was always kind of mediocre mid table top. To, you know, sort of win three, lose two, um, and then in team events he was kind of the the fringe player, but he was always the one that was getting more than he probably should do, which then tips you over the balance. So, um, and then obviously, like you say, he's become a grand champion. So, uh, yeah, props to him. The first one as well, the first one, so special. Yeah, OG. There you go. And how about you, Richie? Then what was the uh, process for you? Yeah, look, very similar to Jim, really. I think my my attitude or opinion of it was a little bit different. I, I prefer singles events, and I, I think I'd struggle to change that. I really like everything just being in my own hands. And I, I, I didn't know what to expect, you know, from applying for the ETC or the Six Nations and how much I'd enjoy it or not. But what I did know is that that was, that was the top bar. A lot of the good players were doing it, and I knew whatever happened, I was going to get to play Warhammer against good people and work with good people, you know, on something together. So I just knew I just wanted to be involved from that point of view. Um, Yeah, so I applied and yeah, absolutely made up to get in. I never expected to get in when uh, Tony message called, whatever I think. Yeah, Tony messaged me and and, um, and Tom called me. I um, I was over the moon. Yeah, I I didn't expect, you know, I haven't been around two minutes really. The... um, the stigma attached to ECT teams is very, you know, old boys clubby. And I don't just mean the example of England, which, you know, is rife on the internet, isn't it? You know, being aware of it in 40K and people I speak to in that as well. It, I, I didn't know what to expect. didn't know you guys particularly. So I don't know if I'd get it or not, but we did. You know, me and Jim did get in and made up to be and, and Laurie as well. And I guess imagining what people are thinking, Jim touched on it in his in his point of view, we play a lot and we visibly play a lot. We obviously all we do is talk about Warhammer. I do a podcast all the time, so we're you know, quite vocal and public. And if I was picking a team of people, I'd want people who, who were prepared to obviously play all the time, practice, we're on top of the game non stop, you know, be it that they've got that we hadn't got there already, you know, and we were still trying to get there, but we were completely committed to doing it right. And that, that was what was obvious. And I would guess would be a big driving point for, you know, us getting selected. Um, Cause yeah, we hadn't had like loads of singles success or anything like that. But yeah, I, um, I think, I think um, attitude and um, how you conduct yourself on the table is massive for team events. Um, because when you're in a team, and you're the player that's not quite getting the roll the rub of the green or you're not having the the dice go where you need it to go or you're in the bad matchup and you're struggling there's there's a certain player will go well I won my game or well I got max points what are you doing or yeah. they're not team players mm-hmm. they are not people you want on the team because what happens is the person who's struggling their head goes and then they and then they start 
you know, they start underperforming or and at the end of the day, that's not what a teammate should do, you know? It's yeah. it, and that's it's, like true for me as well, because I was obviously running the KO list and I took some of the worst matchups for us, knowing that I would lose. Um but you just it's the role of the team, isn't it? Like because the team composition when you pick the team isn't picked based on army, it's based on who you want on the team, what can they do? Like you say, the, the criteria of the player rather than what they're playing. So you don't know come the event what you might be running and what you won't be running because it's so far away. Um, so it's really, I do think that's really important. Like when you picked on a team to fully commit to the team, be present in conversations, you know, pay the captain for, you know, accommodation up front early, help, you know, just, just help everything along um, and, and be fully active in the team. Yeah. And I think it's isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's a lot. And I think, um, you know, I was a little bit, for me, like I wasn't really in a position to do that level of commitment and it, it showed at the event. And I think that knowing if I knew more about where Tony wanted to put me in the matchup process, I would have completely changed what I was taking um, because, you know, I'm not I'm not used to being the player that's not winning their games. Um, not so mm. big-headed, but normally at a team event, I'm put into the favourable matchup and I'm getting max wins. And that's an easy... In a way, it's an easy role because when you get on that, when you start racking those wins up and the odds have been stacked in your favour, it, it feels great. You know, like the Six Nations last year, I I went five wins, gave up. It still amazes me when I actually go back and think about it. 380 VPs over five games I gave up. Yeah. And that was in the first <laughs> game. And I was just like... I was I was I was invincible, you know. That's how I it, it felt great, you know. And conversely, you've got poor Nigel, who's who's being battered around the tables every day, every game, and and you know the points that you know people like him were picking up or, or denying the team is important as well, you know. But it's a lot harder to play that role, you know. I think, and that's that's the bit that is the best about the team events, right? Like, Jim throw me on the bus there saying I want to be captain and all that. It's more like I I like being in charge <laughs> of everything I do. So yeah. I think we can all identify as what's what's some of the funnest stuff going on there, doing the pairings, um, doing the matchups, picking what everyone's going to be on, being the head honcho in the team and doing all that is just great. You know, we had Darren on the team who I, he, he very visibly and and obviously is after working with them super aware of like all the team stuff and mega mega into team compositions and all that and it's just boss talking about it all and figuring all out and learning it for the first time i think for me like darren was great on the team because he was so enthusiastic and he was so fun um and he come and he comes up with these lists and these ideas and he's just like i'm so glad you're on my team yeah (laughs) i don't want to play you and you're not on team wales yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and i think the game unfortunately like hampered that a bit because if I, i think back to a year ago there was a lot of scope to do what Darren does, right? Like write something yeah. really good, really unique that would work in a team event. Now you could just take eight amazing lists, like DTC, working that out down to six. There's, yeah. there's easily six armies that are just amazing now, and you could just take them. Yeah, don't don't because yeah. I've got a place to nest. I've not even played a game of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, isn't it? And that's that was where we struggled with you, though, right? In the Six Nations, you ended up on a list that was. Like my list was very polar, right? Was yours could could maybe play against anything, and it's harder to figure out where to put that, and that's why you ended up in just like bizarre matchups or playing still go. 
Just like, getting gristle gourd for yeah. three games. <laughs> like, fuck my life. Um, and then <laughs> I played da- Daughters of Cain and Karadjons, which was... Uh, uh, the Karadjons the game was um, the only game I, I won two games, I think. But it was... It was tough. I just loved your face, though, when you were like, okay, it's arcane places of power, and you put your three things down, and the guy was like, no, it's three places of power. And you just looked over at Tom and went, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't got a deep deployment zone, and I'm going to get my ass handed to me. But luckily, um, I was able to play out of it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, pff, still good, though. Still still felt good to... I still think out of the matchups I had, I got the points I needed to get, but it was it was tough. I was felt like I was getting I wasn't I wasn't really sharp enough and I was taking a bit of a weird list that I was experimenting with, but anyway, it's not, not really about me. That's one that's one thing I would say <laughs> to people listening though, is like someone like yourself on two wins or myself who is two wins, um, and then you've got Laurie and Richie on five. It's it's every round is a team event. So mm. you based on your draw, you can lose your game, that's fine. But somebody yeah. else might have won because you've taken that matchup. So as long as you come out the round, either capping the team or winning the round, then you've achieved what you set out to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think and I, that... I might have only won one actually. Yeah, but so it's less about individual yeah. performance yeah. and more about understanding just the team dynamic and being supportive. Because remember, not everybody can win. You're gonna no, some no. people are going to be in bad matchups. That's just the way team pairings go. No, well, I mean, I, I, I did hold people to minors, and I did I always got points. So that's more important, yeah. right? Yeah, and your experience, your experience in it showed us times you were playing behind me, and um, I don't know, I, can't, I think it was a taken holder on Night to the Heart mission, and you, you know, you had something established, but it was like, right, speaking to Tom, do I need to try and win this? You know, do we need the major still, or do we not? And you're just hanging on and waiting until turn three, you know, to decide to push or not. I, I loved all that side of it. Like, it's great. Yeah, I really liked that as well. So let's let's divulge put a line under that i think we've we've talked for a while um and what i would like to do is to focus in on your the fire slayer list a little bit um and talk about that in detail because obviously we we touched on it and it went five and oh and you're working on it it's your new list if you don't mind talking about it yeah, not um, then i think it'd be cool to talk about that list and, and how it works and and um what it's all about Sure. Um, but I think first, probably have a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. And then I want to touch on Legion of Grief with power. Uh, and then I think we should talk a little bit about the new points. And I'll get your guys' opinion on what you think is the new. If so you, someone's collecting army right now, and you were like, "What's the next best thing? What's the next big thing that's going to be on the scene?" I'd be really interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are because I've got my thoughts, and I think you're probably in this thinking along the same lines as me. But um, that'd be interesting. So cool. Well, we'll have a quick break, and then we'll come back, and then we'll um, we'll talk some fire slayers. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at twenty percent off. And all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. And we're back from the break, and it's time to talk about small ginger hairy dwarfs. Um, that are hot. Hot dwarfs. Hot. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of hot dwarfs, uh, I shouldn't say dwarfs, should I say Juridin. Hot Juridin. 
Um, your <laughs> your yeah. fire sale list you took to the Six Nations, Richie, you did pretty well, didn't it? Did yeah. Um, I did better in matchups that I probably well we didn't pick me to win as well. So yeah, it, it performed uh, really well actually. Yeah, and I think that um, that Les hates you now. Because he's he's had to play it for the ETC. <laughs> <laughs> is he not is he not enjoying playing them or? I don't think he he he's enjoying it now. Um, okay, he, he is being a team player doing it though. To be fair, so I think I think um, he, he would have loved to have played Sonesh, and I think um, yeah. Is that uh, because he likes the aesthetics of them, or the play style is more? Uh, well, you think about like. Armies there's usually use like you know the Star Drake, the you know the Fulminators. It's all fast. The Eels. It's all fast. You know, yeah. Sinesh is fast. It's aggressive. You can't really use those words to describe the Fire Slayer Army, right? I mean, no, you it can't. can be aggressive, but you know, <laughs> so, but yeah, well, that, that's it. That's their you know their biggest downside, as everyone says, is that they are slow, aren't they? Which of course they are, but. Doesn't doesn't stop you as much as um as much as people think, really. Deceptively no. slow. Well, they're not really slow. No, exactly. So I think they can catch people out as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play around. Oh, anyway, let's talk about the list first. Yes. Just run through the list, and then we can start talking about ins and outs of uh, of these guys. Cool. So the list I played was um, Thistle Lodger Hermdar, um, which has a couple of key abilities in it. The, the biggest one um, is that it allows uh, s- select units of yours to strike first in the combat phase, which, as we all know, is incredibly important right now. So having that, that's amazing. Um, it also had a very good artifact or trait, trait in this case, um, which allowed um, units wholly within 12-year general uh, were minus one to wound against them. Also yep. awesome. And then the artifact is, you know, meh. But that's logic pick. You know, it's probably the most obviously good one, although there is another one which is fantastic. But th- there's your one. Uh, and then there's um, a battalion called Lords of the Lodge, which has the ability to let one of your units, just the one unit in the battalion, the half guard berserkers, go twice. Um, Another thing that is very desired right now, all this since Gristle Gore come out and then lots of other armies have uh, mimicked this as well, haven't they? So it's got yeah. both the things that everybody wants to do right now. Um, and that drives the list um, pretty easily into a lot. It's a big part of it. I think about a 1,000 points of it. So you got 30 half-guard berserkers in the Lords of the Lodge. You also then have to take three characters. One's a Rune Father, which is going to be a general. One's a room master, which is a, a priest with a few um, fringe abilities, but mainly he can cast, you know, prayers, their spells. And then the last one's a battlesmith, which is a banner bearer, um, which has um, a big buff, which is plus one save to units uh, wholly within 12. So th- that puts a large part of the army together there, really. And then after that, uh, you're down to what got to fill out your battle line. Um, the room father makes the half guard berserkers um, battle line in the fire slayer army so i've already got one so in my case i took uh, two units of vulkite berserkers which are the ones yeah. that everyone will be more familiar with the unit that everyone had th- big 30s of at some point two of them and then i also took a rune 
uh, Rune Smiter on Magma Droth. That um, he's another priest. He's not very fighty, um, and Magma Droths aren't particularly fighty at all. But he's got a very good prayer. Um, it allows you to reroll wounds for a unit you select, and you can usually do it on a two plus. Uh, plus, it was another Magma Droth. So the slow side of the fire slayers i wanted to make sure i did have some units that can move around and push when needed i don't think one magma droth was ever going to do that on its own but two yeah. of them yeah no chance right <laughs> but yeah, two yeah. of them two of them together against the right unit they, they they can do enough you know i'm the right unit i'm talking about clearing i don't know 20 chain rasps off off an objective or something like that you know yeah uh, five dogs whatever or 10 dogs something like that so um, yeah, took another one of those. And then the last unit in the army was Auric Halfguard. They're the ones with the guns. They were used a little bit earlier on, so people will be familiar with them. The guns are still great, but they've got an ability to protect characters within six. On a four or more, you can mount a wound or a mortal wound onto that unit. So it gives these small characters, particularly the uh, the Banner Bearer, the Battlesmith, um, some extra protection because it can't be used on the Magma Droths. Um, yeah, against the likes of sniping and spells and things like that. So that, that was the whole list. So big unit of 30, which is incredibly powerful and, you know, can deal with anything in the game. Two smaller units of 10, two characters on big beasts and a couple more supporting characters. Yes, it sounds like super small, right? Yeah, it's super small. I don't, there's Nearly every Fire Slayer army now really is going to be about 55 models and a, and a big guy or not. Um, you know, you, you can do a bit more, but I think right now, um, that that's the the lists are you know I say I've built the best list or anything here because it's so driven by the Lords of the Lodge Battalion and, and the the room for um for extra things past that you know as, as someone who's just looking in at it you'd see like every list is the same you know it's the same list and obviously if you you know yourselves guys if you're like super involved in a list every minor thing makes a difference right you know yeah five mm. here oh he's took that trait oh my god how interesting is that you know when everyone else is just like yeah, Jim's playing the Deacon list again, or Richie's playing the Fire Slayer list, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think outside that, there's a lot of really like cool choices, and you're going to see a lot of different lists played. And already at tournaments, you are um, a most most common thing not having the the Magma Drop Smiter, which is um, something I've got to still assess because I've only played you know ten games with them maybe. So, um, yeah, I'll see as as things go on. Will I want that anymore? Because I also wanted it because it was another cool thing to paint. Yeah, yeah. I think I love Magma Dross. I really, when I looked at the book, I was really tempted with that five Magma Dross army. Yeah. I know it's stupid, I love but it. yeah. it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some room to play some of that other things. It's a shit... It, well, you know, when you look at something strictly, what is the best? Yeah, I think... There is a clear leader in this book, unfortunately. Um, but there's some stuff that's super close, and you could easily go to tournaments and have a great time and win games, um, definitely. Particularly the White Dwarf stuff to come out. I think that pushes one of the other lodges, the Vostag, um, mm. into their own sort of unique thing as well, which is cool. And those like White Dwarf articles, those sort of things, they're, it's quite cool how White Dwarf's now more like it used to be back in the old days when I was a kiddie. Where you've got you get like you know new shade spire like yeah. scenarios and new space hulk missions and all this kind of stuff and necromunda and and you know like cards on the front and proper hobby articles so it's great to see some extra rules for aos in in white dwarf that's cool 
Yeah, and they've got it right. Just dip the toe in. You know, massive narrative-driven thing. It's all about the Vostag, a special character, which is, you know, minor little things, but you'd, you'd pay the 20 points for them. You know, it, it's well done. I like it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so going through the list then, just in a little bit of detail, I mean, you've kind of touched on it, and it's the the big 30. They're, what, minus one to wound? Pilot yes. attack twice. So if I talk, in if- first. Yeah, sure. So, like, the half, the half guard berserk unit um, on its own is um, very point-efficient for wounds. So it's, it's 600 points, the unit, but it's 60 wounds, right? That, that's the benchmark, isn't it, really? Mm. So it, it, it achieves that. Um, they've got a five-up save on their own, nothing very special. They move four on their own, bravery eight, nothing, nothing special. They've got two very good weapon choices, and the, the, I think... Judgment is still out on which one is the best, and I don't know if anyone will ever settle. But you've got it depends uh, what you're fighting, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's the pole axes, the brazier one, uh, braziers, mm. the uh, <laughs> braziers, yeah, yeah. which they've got. They've two attacks each, and every six to hit is two mortal wounds. Otherwise, it's threes, threes, rend zero, and one damage. And then there's an axe, which is threes to hit, threes to rend one, two damage. So. There's just, just two fantastic weapon choices, and so their offensive level is insane. Um, but, yeah, it's what you're fighting. Um, I haven't assembled my one yet. I'm dreading the point where I get to that unit, and I mm. have to decide what I'm going to stick on them. I used axes at the um, at the Six Nations, and they were they were amazing, but I wasn't fighting things that you don't want to fight. You know, they're a lot more subject to modifiers and debuffs compared to the other ones, which just do it when you get the six. So yeah. I'm not sure where I'm going to be. I don't know if you've got an opinion on it or. Um, so on the other ones, if you roll a six, they do mortal wounds, right? Two mortal wounds. Yeah, I think I think that's better than um, the pole arms yeah. are just better because you activate them twice in Hermdar as well, and I think given the modifiers now, it just makes them so much more consistent for me because I think these rolling sixes to strength yeah. is consistent. Mm. No, but it's because you're going twice, it averages out. Because you're still going to get your one damage through as well on the ones that hit. Whereas the other ones, they still do two damage, but they don't... Some of them will hit and wound. It's it's, it's closer, but they, they suffer from modifiers. And they suffer from spell debuffs and that kind of stuff. Whereas and they get the a save, right? Yeah. And the pole arms don't. Yeah. So, I think I, the things that stand out for me is when the ends of the units are fighting, or you're fighting lots of units, and you've only got, like six or seven guys yeah, fighting yeah. something then you, you your 14 consistent dice are, are great whereas obviously you just roll it's not as not as good when you just roll like a smaller yeah, amount great. a smaller pool is it that's tough but look that's what the unit does buff wise that's where it gets you know applied on them they're all generally wholly within 12 of your general or one of the characters um your general if you're wholly within 12 of him uh, the unit's minus one to wound. And it's not just one wo- unit, it's all all units. So that's why he's on a Magma Draft, big base, yeah. nice, nice, nicer big bubble, um, easier to keep up with the units and move around the board. Then if they are wholly within 12 of a Hermdar hero, they can fight first. So 
again another reason for the base to be really good and that, that it allows that unit and you, all your Vulcanites to do it and then the Lords of the Lodge Battalion allows that unit just the, the Hearthguard position unit that's in the battalion to fight again if it's already fought in the hero phase uh, sorry in the hero not in the hero phase in the combat phase so that's all that on it is that instant that second round or is it another no. activation when you're when it's your turn to select again right yeah. okay yeah they, they, they alternate but Herm Dar is strike first for a CP and then if it's your yeah. turn, go again, right? It's your first choice, so you can go back to back with them on your turn. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then they got they get a load of save buffs. So there's a prayer that can give them plus one save. Um, there's the battlesmith that gives them plus one save. Um, you can once per turn, um, once per game from my the rune smiter on the magma drop. That's his unique thing. Only the magma drop ones get it. Plus one save bubble. Again, same, wholly within 12. So they can put a lot of bonuses on the save. But generally, they're a 3-plus save um, is, is where they're normally sat at. The other thing they have is, if they're within 10 of a five-slayer hero, they've got an after save. Um, it's normally a 6, but they're within 10 of a five-slayer hero. It's a 4-up. So yeah. that unit is insane. It's 600 points. It's 60 wounds. It's most commonly got a 3-plus armor save if it's got its buffs on. And it's got a four up after save, so yeah, not a lot deals with that. No, uh, I think you have to kind of break it down, don't you? You have to get rid of the characters um, to to stop the the buffs and the power and the double piling and the you know the after save and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And you've got a lot of um, planning ahead, a lot of um, a lot of ranges to always be aware of and keep yourself in because. You, you quickly you quickly fall out of them otherwise because like yes they don't move fast but once they get in combat and they fight twice and you're piling and you you know you're using that to get up the board mm. yeah you're suddenly I, quite far away i remember i played i played les the first time he played with the army because he was like well he took it to the heat but he was like i need to have a game of it just to get my head around it and i was playing legion of grief and i hadn't played with that either so we were, we were messing around um and he, he was kind of um started to get all almost so restricted by the ranges that he was barely moving and he wasn't competing in a scenario and and we talked about it and it was like well sometimes you don't need the buff so yeah. you can just go it's better to get to do that to be there and not have the buff for a turn but then get it back next turn um you know and and sometimes it's as I, I think we were playing border war and I sort of said we well, might as well launch the um go go first and then capture the side objectives um just to make sure that you're getting them you're getting those points because the game could quite easily fall away from you yeah you've got to um, you've got to be positioned and be scoring you can't let yeah you can't let someone like play the mission against you because that's what everyone's going to say right oh they don't move you just play the objectives well yeah like that, it's easier said than done to some degree. You know, not yeah. not a lot of armies can do that. As long as you're aware of that and you're putting yourself in a position, like I don't care. People make me go first all the time because, uh, yeah, what, what does my army do? Turn one. Yeah, nothing classically that people are worried about in a game of Warhammer: Age of Sigmar, right? I think it. I, I like going first. I put all my buffs up. And I run the run the army as far up the bloody board as I possibly can. <laughs> but you're used to that, though, aren't you? Because when you're playing. Silver Nerf. Yeah. You you were going first every time. And and actually I think the double turn's normally more important later on. Yeah. Um and if they do double you, 
that with that with that army with that army particularly it's so resilient you wouldn't really care you don't and it's easier to set up to protect yourself from a double earlier on in the game i i think you know yes. when you just when i'm just going first and redeploying my army again with a mind to well if this guy goes twice what's he gonna do you know it's savannah it's easy oh, i'll put 10 drives in front so if he does double me then he only kills me screen and then he fights my army and that's okay you know and it can force your opponent to make mistakes because oh, i'll play for the double you know, or yeah. I'll, I'll push up, or I'll let me yeah. let me get I'll on those objectives. Into a really stupid position, thinking I'm going to get the turn, don't get the turn. Thirty health guard berserkers go in, go twice and yeah. kill off your army. Yeah, or they just do it for the sake of it. You mm. know, you don't you don't have to do something. Sometimes, you know, you could just take your turn and go. Because I do that. Like people will play against me. They'll say, "Oh, you know, you go first, and I'll go put that buff there and jiggle them round the bit." Okay, you'll go. Yeah. You know, we'll just we'll, we'll just play that turn in a minute. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have to. I, I mean, I've I've I used to do that back in the day. Like, you know, they go. It was the the classic thing. You give your opponent the first turn. They push their army into the middle of the table. They get tabled, and and that was a real hang up from old edition where you always marched pretty much on the first turn into a position, right? Okay. Because the game was a lot like units were a lot slower. So you you basically everyone was sort of move this unit eight inches this one eight inches this one eight inches you just just push up the table because that's just how the game was it wasn't uh and people were in that like autopilot and yeah. going first was an advantage yeah um I think I think an example like of it between me me and you would know about at least when we played in um oh in masters it was a bit of a game like that but I'll just put my stuff here and you'll go well I don't need to do anything. <laughs> You go yeah. again. Like it's like, ah, damn. You're not yeah. meant to do that rush, you're meant to come I, here. I look to your setup and go, I ain't going in the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly, no way. Yeah. No way, man. You've you've basically set up this this ticking time bomb of, of, of wildwood activations. I ain't gonna go near that. Yeah. Um so. the fire slayers I, I like that. You know, I'll just shove me guys up the board, get in a position and yeah, I think I got a couple of wins that maybe I shouldn't have. There's been a lot of like people just charging that unit thinking they can kill it and it's it's you know it's it's not happening basically. It's, it's got that it's got that X factor in it. People don't really know what it does. They all look the same. They 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 play the game. They push into it. They go oh they do what they do that really. How much damage was that? What do you mean they go yeah. twice? And then the next time they play it, they go oh, if I can go near that. Yeah, that <laughs> and that's happen again. Yeah. And it's the um it's that kind of new book syndrome. And I think um some of the stuff that you know you you see the impact of books and sometimes it's not the power of the book, but it's the power of the unknown. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes them perform better than they would. And then as people are aware of what they do and know how to counter or, or counterplay things or know the priority target, those lists, they don't, I wouldn't say they don't massively drop off in power, but they just, they just settle, you know, they settle a little bit. Yeah. Um, some- You'll have a, you'll have that might have that conversation as well, mine. You go, oh, I shouldn't have charged that, and then you you think, well, what else was I going to do anyway? <laughs> Sometimes there isn't some magical other answer that you can do to beat it. Like that's why in this list, um, I quite liked having the second magma drop and the un- and they meant that that and ten Vulcanites could go off and get the game going yeah. is a sort of, yeah. a, I don't know what the term I'd use. You know, sometimes in a stalemate situation that I've just described that I quite like, I like to have a part of my army that can, you know, 
progress the game. Um, yeah, I, what, what you're basically talking about is having something that you can um, you can force your opponent to do something yeah. without committing. Without committing too much, right? Yeah. Or yeah. what I'm committing over there is a very resilient unit. You know, if that rune smiter goes off to the side with a unit of Vulcanites uh, and they say they get into cover and he pops his once per game ability, you know, they're on a they're on a two plus save, you know, and and, yeah. st- and the magma drops on a three plus save, ignoring rem one. Yeah, so, you, you have to commit a fair amount to get rid of it. It's not. Yeah. And and I think the um the thing about AOS those sort of decisions of where do I play the game is very important. Some of the missions, you don't need to get all four objectives or all six objectives. You just need three of them. So you don't need to play to get everything. Yeah. And and by spreading yourself thin, um, but then in certain matchups, like against your list, it's probably good to spread thin because you can't physically cover the board, you know? But you, you know probably that you can get into a position where the 30 can protect the majority of the objectives and that other little strike force get the other one for enough turns that tips the game in your favour. Yeah. And, 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 I think, game. and I think can beat most the other little, you know, strike force units that are going around. You know, some uh, examples of what, like Canary Heart Renders or, um, mm-hmm. or, or Dire Wolves that are running around or something like that. They, you know, yeah. they, they can hold their own. And if as long as... If, if this thirty gets hold of something, anything, you know, it's it's going to start killing stuff pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I, I they're a, they're a good army. Um, I would say that they are. I can see where Les is coming from. They're they, they're quite flat in some ways, and the Death Star unit thing, which I haven't seen in Age of Sigma before. I think it's, for me, it's the first example of it, really. No, maybe maybe thirty li- thirty liberators maybe could could have been that I don't know but it used to be a thing back in the eight Wild West as well mm. Death Stars um but yeah I think uh, I think it's an interesting that there is a competitive Fire Slayers list in that book that that you know you you look at and go oh that's that's different and I think they changed so much from the last set to I mean obviously doubling the wounds was a massive thing you know I mean. Clever, 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 simple answer to um to to that army's problem. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I think when when we looked at it and we talked about it, that was definitely something we we suggested early on. Um, I think they were intended probably to do it anyway, but we 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 were kind of all aligned with that. Really, that you know they're on forty mils. They they kind of should be like liberators, really. You know, they should they should feel like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's great. But um so you're that's that's cool. So um pretty good. So I I mean from my experience it's probably quite weak in missions with lots of objectives on the table. Uh quite strong ones where aren't many objectives on the table. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that's def- about it really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The um I think I think the missions in the new book are gonna help it even more. I think yeah. the fact that um yeah, yeah Star well not sorry, well Star Strike does help now it's Odds on going to be more compact. Um, Scorched Earth and Better Part of Valor being the thinner table width now and just a deeper. So I think that helps them. So total commitments, I is about the same really. But they're 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 the ones I thought they'd struggle in, you know, because they do stretch the army across the board quite a lot. And yeah. um, shift the new shift objectives is pretty bad for them as well. Um, 
but in the, in the old in the old system, yeah, they, they were the type of missions, lots of them, um, reasonably spread out there, what he struggled on. Uh, this, the anything that was long ways fighting, you know, they were perfect for you. Taking yeah. old knights of the heart, those type of missions were great for you. So yeah, I think I think they're pretty good. And I think there's 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 going to be a lot of other interesting lists. Some of the other ones that you're going to see a lot, like I said, was the smiter dropped, and then people will take more half guard berserkers. You could only take half guard berserkers. You know, you don't have to take vulcanites, meaning all your army had you know the four plus after save. Yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see a more of that than my list, probably. And my list might become that list because um, it, it might it might be better. But I'll uh, discover that from playing a little bit more myself. I think the gun guys are relevant. Some of the lists out there that have got um, a unit of 10 gun lads with a rune smiter tunneling because my army hasn't got any of that tunneling thing which they were famous for beforehand. Uh, I think that that's good. You know, it's very good in deployments and your opponent having to think about... You know, think about them and worrying what what I'm going to put in because you should put him under the ground on himself, and then it's like, oh, is he going to put the thirty somewhere, or yeah, yeah. is and he going to put the gun guy somewhere? Anything yeah. that makes your opponent start to think, oh, hang on, what's he doing here? Oh, do I have to do this or? Because the gun guys like a soul spire, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the gun guy's a real threat against the monster. Um, you know, it's twenty-one shots, fours, threes, round one, two damage. So that that's real, you know. It's got an eighteen-inch range, which is enough to make people have to start doing fancy deployments and fancy screening. Because you know, uh, what will be relevant? Arkan, you like Arkan the Black Rus? He doesn't want to get shot by that, does he? <laughs> you know, that's the perfect type of thing to kill him. Arkan never wants to get shot by elephant, right? Maybe goblin Ex- bows, but otherwise, no. <laughs> but I will tell you a story about my Arkan and his big hat. I had the pleasure of playing four celestial ballistas with an ordinator, and I took eight shots to Arcana, took one wound. Oh my god! Eight <laughs> single bolts, twice, one wound, because Arcan was the boss. That my, uh, <laughs> it was really funny um, when I he got free through, and I did my death saves, and I rolled a triple six. I was like, yeah, Roy. Oh. I was just like, I'm sorry. But this is amazing. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. I feel so bad for that 500 point investment, but you know. Yeah, didn't do it. He's my I just boy. thought of another example of where I was in the mix to win it, along with you, and you won it. Like um, that happened to me in Blood and Glory last year. Like we might, it was a bigger event, right? But you were on one of the tables with Max, everything you Max Payton and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was only me. And you with everything, maybe Probably. another person had it all, because a lot, a lot of the guys are blackout or dropped on the painting thing. So it was, it was quite the man, them wasn't it? And yeah, I tried to kill Arkan turn one with all my Savannah shooting some of the bows there through Alaria and left left them on one wound. And yeah, damn, <laughs> the Death Army, yeah, uh, yeah, didn't fold. So the Death Army is uh, good, very good against Sylvaneth, I think. So uh, yeah, definitely was the. Uh, yeah, it was. It's probably the operative word. We'll get onto that. Well, they're both uh, new. They're both going to be new now, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, eventually. Yeah. Um, when the whenever those seed pods get released. Um, oh, no. <laughs> don't don't. I'm probably going to have to take my army back at this rate. I've got I've got the army sat in a box, but I just don't think I ever get around to doing it now. Anyway, um, and that's just because I've got other stuff on. Um, so that's cool. Uh, thanks for sharing your. Fire Solist, um, talk about it. I think that's that sounds awesome. Um, so hopefully we'll see some variant iterations of Fire Slayers on the on the scene. So uh, 
Yeah, well, it's already started to see play, hasn't it? I think it's yeah. it, it's appearing in the meta a lot right now. Um, Heat three, you know, it was well represented by good players or known players, whatever you want to, whatever you want to tag, you want to give those guys. And yeah, um, yeah I think it, I think it's going to carry on. I'm still not put off by by playing them. I think um, as like you say, you know, later on when we talk about new points and some other things, I am tempted by some some other armies that I'm a fan of. But I think they're going to yeah. make a carry on making a big 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 impact yeah i think so um so one thing i, I want to talk to you james about really um is uh legion of grief and forbidden power um and get your thoughts as well richie of course but um you you've been playing nighthorn haven't you the sort of your army away from deepkin um yeah you- i haven't played it with yeah. So ha- with the Legion of Grief, I mean, obviously I I took it to the heat. It's okay, but I found that the Skaven question was a bit too hard to answer um, with the list. Um, you've been dabbling, I and mean, what's your thoughts on, on Legion of Grief? I, think, I really like Legion of Grief because it it, it makes the, what was you, traditionally before, the ethereal Legion of Nagash, you know, Legion of Sacrament lists, it gives them more of an identity around Alinda. So I love that in the Forbidden Power book. And if anyone's not read the story, it's amazing. Obviously, I read Alinda, the story. Alinda the is amazing. I'm yeah. not any spoilers, but she okay. is amazing. She's not the character that you see on the tabletop for some reason, but she is absolutely amazing. But the Legion of Grief itself, I think you know, recycling units, having access to Blade Guys Revenants now is huge because I think they're the best unit in the book. A lot of people previously were using Grim Gas Reapers um, because they didn't have access to Blade Guys, but Blade Guys are an amazing, amazing unit. And when used correctly, they can really be, they're so hard to contain. Um, So I think having access to them is a big plus for Legion of Grief. The bravery debuffs, I love that they play around with the bravery aspect of the game because it's not really something you can do beyond just inspiring presence for a command point, um, which kind of forces your opponent to use them when they don't really want to, um, if they're being bravery bombed. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting lists um designs there i mean i the list i took to heat through is quite boring it was just lots of blade guys revenants arcana linda and some stuff um but i i have looked at so basically with legion of grief you you can't take basically vampires you get the legion grave sites um you unlock um the night haunt units you weren't able to take in legion um, and you have the Mortark is Alinda, so if you have any Mortarks, it has to be Alinda. She has to be a general. Um, and you, I think that's they've got their own spell law, but only three spells. You don't yeah, get access spells. to the the two laws in the Legion of the Gash, which are probably one of the most powerful things in that book. Um, and, and they don't get the double cast as well, right? So if they no, roll they an actual no. nine, it doesn't trigger twice. No, there's, I mean, there's not. pros and cons. I would still say. To any people out there who are playing Nighthorn, I do think it's be- they're better in Nighthorn. Um, yes, the 10 charge is, is swinging and you, know, you can't predict it, but you get access to battalions. I think the spell law in Nighthorn is better than Legion of Grief. Um, mm. However, Legion of Grief is a lot more forgiving. You can recycle units, you can plan out of the graves, you can heal units, which is a big deal when your arm is basically ethereal and flies. Um, it gives you a lot of, I think Legion of Grief gives you more late game power than Nighthorn. But it's it's really interesting to see how Legion of Grief develops because I really want to play Alinda and I think the best build is you've got to take a Harrow as your general. Um, so for that reason, because I love the combination of Grief-Stricken 
um, with the minus one save spell from Ancient of Grief that Alinda can do uh, from the law. And yeah. if both of those go off, you just melt a unit. Like, you know, we talked about the 30 Hearthguard Berserkers and people are, you know, maybe overreacting a little bit about what how, what can possibly kill that unit. It's like, well, I'll tell you, you know, yeah. 30 Grimgath Reapers with minus one save and plus one to hit, you know, hitting you on, or, or blades hitting you on twos uh, when you've got a six up save with minus one men, good luck. Um, yeah. I don't know if you look at the four. Shame you, shame you go second though, Jimena. Yeah, but you just tag on the corner slightly, don't you, and go, go on then, pile into me. I dare you. Because <laughs> I'm Van Hills as well. But yeah, obviously you've got to get around the Hermdar CP, because um, if you do it wrong, they will just delete the unit. But there's but there's ways to do it. Um, and I think Legion of Grief is really interesting. And I, I, I don't know if I will stick with it to the point where I'll be taking it to the grand final, or, you know, where I'm, where I'm really trying to, the aim is to win six games. Um, because I think it does have shortcomings. Skaven are probably the biggest one. Skaven are quite prominent. So. And, and it's so easy for them to combo break you. And when they put down the Vortex, the 3D3 mortal wounds on the little foot heroes, it's just Honest, too much to Honestly, it just absolutely destroys you. And the yeah. they've got Plague Monks, which fight better than your guys. Um, yeah. And they, they, they've 40 of them. So you can go first, kill half the unit, and then 20 just delete your bag. Because um, yeah. the problem is they rolled on loads of low quality attacks, and that means your four up saves like it, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wait, advice, it's like it doesn't you're just matter. rolling. If you've got to roll forty dice, you're gonna lose twenty blade guys. It's like yeah, just that's just how it works. And I think um, yeah, yeah, it's a tough. It's really tough. I think um, for me, I, I don't. I think Alinda's got to be in the list. I, I just think you have to. I, you have to take see, I like I like the Harrow because the Harrow can be anywhere and he can be safe. Spells can get him, obviously, and endless spells. But the problem with the Linda is she's both your general and also an important support piece. Yeah, yeah. I know you, your way is obviously to protect her. And I love that you tried to cast the Mortalis Temnarxis uh, Hourglass, which was very ballsy of you to take that. I've never seen a Night Hot endless spell on the table. And even though we had you on stream, you failed to cast it every turn, so we oh, still yeah. never seen a Nighthawk endless spell on the table. Oh, but we almost did. It was really <laughs> good when I played the one day event in Swindon. It was amazing, and then at the heat, I just never got it off. But people, but people were intentionally trying to unbind it. Yeah, because it's a source of healing, right? And Alinda, that's the thing. If you can support Alinda with healing, she is great. Once she gets within twelve inches, she's a double caster. She can hit you with two two rounds of mortal wounds. She's got a once per game within six D6 mortal wound spell for a hero. She can debuff you. She can cast uh, Queef Stricken, which is a phenomenal spell. Um, she also can uh, add one to the number of models that flee from units at an era. So it's yeah. just a little bit for help as well. And she is amazing. The only problem is she's on seven wounds and she needs to be within 12 pretty much of key targets in your opponent's army. So there's always a risk element there that she could perish. Which And then when she goes down, you can't in Legion of Grief, you can't return your units. So that's the trade-off, whereas the Harrow can kind of just sit around the back or sit in a corner. You can still return your units because he can teleport at the start of the movement phase to a gravesite, end of the movement phase, you return the unit. Um, he's very good at doing that. Obviously, he's very susceptible to endless spells and anyone that can shoot him or deep strike him. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Legion of Grief fall because they are an interesting element for death, given that the death... The prominent death units have been pointed up. I personally think Alinda's quite easier to protect with death. 
like because you can just swamp the board. I mean, like you can just surround her. She's, I, and even she's quite resilient to shooting. Doesn't like mortal wounds, but you know who does. And the point is, yes, yeah, you can. Oh, you can't bring units back, but sometimes you don't need to. Like no, I played true. a lot of games, you never bring a unit back because you just don't need to. Um, uh, yeah, I mean the general is important, but a lot of people as well. Like you can use her as a people will will make bad decisions to try and kill her. They will put themselves oh, in a position just yeah. to go for her and lose sight of the mission. And you can use her as a distraction. I mean, I I personally think if she's too she's too much of a toolbox not to take. Yeah, she and it was she was the most fun I had when I played the Army Eat 2. Using her every game was so good because she she doesn't catch people out, but she's that fear factor. She's just looming, you know, very thematically looming behind the front lines to pop out and do damage. It's just like, very, very cool. Just take D6 Mortal Wounds. It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that... if you meet, you roll a one, but, you know, yeah. It, I, it I really don't. Good. The amount of times I've done that. I'll go, yeah, she's going to lift the veil. One. All right. Just ignore that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do that all the time. Um, but I just wonder, like, nothing. doesn't do anything. The Harrow brings a lot of unique things, though, as well. <laughs> Like, he does. I I really really like the Harrow as a general. I think you know, and, and a lot of the same things apply. You know, but what when does I'm he against... what does he bring to Legion of Grief though, other than you can teleport him, then bring a unit up from the grave? Other than moving well, your army wherever you want every turn, that's yeah, the way I see it. Like you can't do that in Legion of Grief because you don't have no, you that's don't not have spectral recall. Oh, what what's he doing then? Exactly. Uh, so, so the, the, the good thing about him in the Legion of Grief is they have a command trait called, I, I always get it's wrong, the, the Vassal of the Craven King. So yes. basically it's a second day of the court's brooch. So you can put both of them on him, because it's a command trait, that one, not an artifact. So you put both of them on him, and you can put that safely in the corner, so you can recycle command points, which is very important to Legion of Grief. Um, but what safely. do you use the command points? Yeah, bar someone. Like what? Well, so we're returning the units. Yeah, but... But this is the problem I have with it, right? Mm. When I play death, I never buy extra command points. I just I run light. I I never have a problem with them. And the problem is, is that for for command abilities, they just don't have access to the best command abilities, which are on the vampires. You don't mm-hmm. have access to the reroll to hit one. You don't have access to the plus one attack last your next hero phase. All you've got is you could take a knight of shrouds, but. Mm plus one attack in that combat phase and you can't stack it it's like it's not and for me the 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 command trait is great no no denying that but i think with arcan in the list what he does to that army with the healing with being able to cast the spells from melinda to get into range to extend the range of your spell so she can stay further back he it just opens up, and you can't take him in Legion of Grief unless you've got a Linda. So for me, the Harrow doesn't even doesn't even come well, into it. It just doesn't yeah. even. Yeah, I'm, yeah, less, I'm I... less on that Harrow now, Jim. I didn't know you couldn't well, do the teleporting thing. In in Nighthorn, in Nighthorn he can, but in Legion of Grief he doesn't have the Nighthorn command ability. But what he does do is he can cycle command points. So if you're running a Knight of Shroud on foot or Knight of Shroud on steed, their command abilities are actually really good. Like plus one to hit and plus one attack is big. Um, reroll charges is important as well, especially for blade gas revenants. Um, they can't be stood in the wind. I do think there's a utility for like having an abundance of an abundance of like um, CP. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. 
And it's, it's a threat of it, right? It's like it's viable, but there I'm, isn't I'm that. There isn't that like for me. There isn't that like command ability that you like. That's that's great. That's great. That ability that I want to cast use that multiple times. It's not. It's like yeah, yeah. The night shroud is okay, but <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's not. It's not like like command points in night haunt. Really, really powerful because obviously you've got the spectral recall. The harrow can go then recall. That's really good. I think. Uh, and also, you can put the vampire ally in for the for, for his command ability. Um, Reroll charges all over the show. Yeah, and I think uh, for me, I get it. I get it. But I I just think you need those um, those characters. I mean, they are they are things that you need to play that need to pull their weight. Um, that if they don't. If you don't get the value out of them, they're expensive pieces. But I think with the points changes as well, Alinda becomes a lot more attractive. She does, but I'd like to have seen her come down a little bit more. Seven wounds is like really easy for armies to do. Um, and it's I think. it's becoming easier and easier. I mean, she dropped 40 points, right? No, 20. 20. I thought she went down to 200. No, she's too, that was Kurdos. Ah, right, okay. You yeah. pay a lot of points in the Night Horns army on your characters to have ethereal, don't you? And you don't really pay it as much on the uh, the troops. Mm. You know, you know what I mean. You don't get many wounds. So that's how I always feel about it. From maybe from a design point of view, if they've gone with like her only having seven, it's got to be justified by the fact that she's got ethereal, right? I'll um, I, I could tell you, but I, I, it's you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it's um. Yeah, it's it's. We, like we did talk her... about wind's characteristic, but you know, it's a bit low for me. There's too many wall. There's too many walls around now. I think there was a, there was a yeah. time when that might have been okay, but now uh, it's too too bad against spells. Kurdos is okay because he's like a, a a fighting you know command point stealing guy. He just goes in, he hits hard. If he dies, he dies. Um, he's not really an anchor. And Raikonor's like the same with Seven Moons. He's a great with the plus three the cogs in Nighthorn, or if you want cogs in, in Legions. Um, he's a great caster in that sense. But if he dies, it's not a big loss. And Linda going down is, is, is a big deal. Like, if she does die early, you haven't lost the game, but you're in a hole now because she brings a lot to your list if you're running her. Um, and Seven yeah. Moons is really, really easy for people, especially people who know what they're doing, to focus her down and set up and go, okay, I'll set this up, turn two, I'll get to Alinda, she'll go down, and then three onwards they can play without a general. It's, yeah. it's really, it's, it's, it's too easy to do. But, yeah. again, I think, the, I think there's arguments to both sides, because I think the Alinda lists and the Harrow lists are both equally, they play differently, but I think they'll both come to the surface. But the, the big pro that comes out of Legion of Grief is you'll see more Alinda on the table, which I don't know would be true in Nighthorn, because the Harrow brings a lot more. Um, and you can run Alinda without her having to be the general in Nighthaunt. Whereas in Legions of Grief, I think you'll see Alinda used a lot more on the table, which is only a plus, because that model might be the best model in Age of Sigmar. And I go back to Richie's point about the best model. <laughs> Lady Alinda's model is, is phenomenal. I, yeah, I disagree on the, on that. But, I mean, I, I like it, but I don't think it's the best model. But that's, or that's just say it's the best model. Oh, it's, it's too difficult to say, we put them on spot like that. Uh, come on let's knock off on a huge tangent bloody yeah. hell <laughs> <laughs> um, okay fine I mean that's, that's it's, it's, it's great good to hear I think 
Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, one of the the when I was playing around my list, one of the lists that I was looking at was um, what I like about it is the combination of being able to put Mortis engines in and Nighthaunt. Um, yeah, that's very cool. And one of the lists that I've been looking at is the the Alinda double Mortis engine, Arcan, a big unit of chain rasps, two units of blade geist, and then some dogs and a necromancer, and it's like, uh, and then you put some endless spells in like uh, the um, uh, horror ghast and it's it's bravery debuff triple scream um there's stuff you can do as well i've heard talk about putting like mercenary crypt flayers in for their scream and stuff like that so mm-hmm. there's de- i think there's some interesting armies in there that interact with bravery um i think it, it depends where the meta goes really um i think legion death uh, have taken a massive power hit purely because they are a combat army, but they don't get the luxury of fighting first or fighting twice or making you go last. And there's so much stuff now that that just deletes them. They just roll so many dice. You just can't. And and all can do mortal wounds at range reliably, like Skaven. Um, and even just taking a unit of like, you know, five, no, six Giselles or three Giselles is enough just mm. just to to kill those characters that you you know because it's an, it is it's such a long range on them and and they're just go oh, I'll just shoot that character like, yeah my well, that's why my my biggest problem with the linda is supercharged warp lightning cannons because there's no lookout yeah. sir but it just goes well I'm going to supercharge that and you know, you've taken 11 mortal wounds and I'm like cool <laughs> yeah. I've only got seven wounds it's yeah, just yeah. it's a big threat obviously but you know yeah um, you just gotta yeah, stay out of range that's the yeah. that's the, the challenge you know so you sum um, that, well, that up well for me rust is that they just don't get to fight first you know yeah. and yeah they get to like resummon things and bring units back but if that unit doesn't like, get to do anything you know as an example like maybe fighting that half garbazirk unit fine you could throw in as many of those units over and over again as you want if they don't get to attack me, it doesn't really do anything, does it? I'm just going to kill them and kill them again. Well, yeah. I had the issue when I played uh, Skaven, uh, down with Skaven at, at the Heat, and um, it was in the Realm of Light. And the yeah. problem is, is he had command point generation, and I couldn't out, I couldn't fight him before he fought me because I was I was running I was out of command points so I was spending the command to bring back which I didn't have anymore and then he was then I would charge and then he would kill me and I'd like well I have to spend my command point again to bring it back and all the time this one unit of 40 plegmas just pushing my whole army off the table and ended up losing that one and it was just like I just couldn't really do anything about it and then the warp lightning vortex was just kicking my ass um and it was just like this this army is just horrendous I mean um just so powerful. I I just couldn't I, I couldn't compete against it really. I think if it wasn't in light, I would have been all right. But it, I would have been able to get through the plague monks' combat power goes where I could start breaking it down. But it was it was tough. Yeah, Rom Haste does that as well. It's a great it's a great equalizer for units that have command point generation because all their units just strike first all game. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. Uh, so we talked a bit about uh, Legion of Grief, Bin Power. So what I, I want to touch on now, just quickly, as we sort of wrap, wrap up, is obviously General Handbook's hit. Now, I haven't spent an awful lot of time looking at it or planning armies because I'm focused on ETC. Um, but I think there are definitely some winners and losers. And 
I'd be interested to hear you got your guys' thoughts. Um, for me, I think Death have come out with. So I say Death, I mean Legion um, have come out with a little bit of the raw end of the stick. Um, I think sort of daughters and you know a few of the other armies, Iden you know, F and stuff like that. It kind of comes out in the wash. Um, it, it doesn't really affect them that much. And then some armies have, have, have won. And I think one of the armies that we're going to see back a lot more is Kradron Overlords. I don't know yeah. if because you're both play KO. When the book, <laughs> when the book so, dropped, Richie messaged me and he was like, I've just written four KO lists in about 10 minutes. And he was like, so many variations of like baubles and ships and all sorts of like high damage. I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, it's going to yeah. be glorious. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, they have had a, a big, a big points drop. I think all the lists I wrote are about two. You know, you put it in War Scroll Builder, and you, you know, but you in your head, you know what the points are actually, and they all come up like at two thousand two hundred and forty points, but they're actually two thousand points armies. So they've all had, you know, a, a big drop. I think to the point where. Um, they're back to where they were, you know, like at yeah. the very start. They're that costed now. So, right, why why wouldn't they just be amazing again? Well, that they weren't the only other factors, though, that forced them out. They got hit incredibly hard um, through points, through a new edition of the game. Um, new armies were coming out at the time that were hurting them as well. Like, it wasn't just points, if people think back, that, that done it, yeah. so... It was FAQ, War Scroll Changes. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot that hit them. Um, but what what I've written a few lists because Max asked, he sort of messaged me and said, oh, can you give me some, write me some KO lists? So I, I thought, well, let's just see what, nothing like super competitive in my head. I just thought, what would be cool? And I've written in lists using the formations and using like four frigates and mm-hmm. you know like stuff like that and 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 like you're like wow that that'd actually be quite good i think you know it's like got these little mobile fire bases and you can spread out and and you know still bring but you can bring damage to bear and um you've you've got an army that does damage at range but you've got enough stuff on the table now that you're not just putting your arm in a big ball and dropping it in the middle of the table and then going, do I kill you or do you just run into the ball and kill it all? Um, so I think it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. But, I think but they're going to do that, though. They're still going to yeah, do that. No, I, I agree with you, Jim. I think that it's going to be worse down than to the that ball. still. But there is, you're right, Russ, the, the scope to put more stuff on the board now and, you know, play two boats, play three boats. And I think that's what the army's identity should have always been. And the, bo- the boats were. Um, the boater, I, I, I would have been been hard for me, you know, if I was doing the points for them, because I was always worried how how cheap they would make them, and they cause cause they're like a built-in, you know, a battalion as well. They reduce your drops a lot. You're paying a lot of points for that in them, so it's hard to just you know make them cheaper and cheaper. And but they have just made them cheaper and cheaper. And I think the frigate now being um, two hundred is just opened up like so many more points. I think. If you were going to put a very simple list together now, um, you know, I want to make my army low drop. I want to have as many of the best things in the army as possible. You can fit two chemists, three units of Arcanauts, a frigate, and then 33 bauble guys. So 
bubbles, you know, balloon guys, whatever you want to call them. Um, well, the wardens, called by, aren't they, right? It's called them by the, the proper name, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sky wardens. wardens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can fit, um, you fit a lot of them in. And a mix of engine riggers as well, depending on where you want to go. So I think, like, a list for me, like, when, as soon as I get back to, you know, um, to work and get back to again to play some games, you know, I'll be playing what I've just said, tunes to 12 wardens, you know, all the guns, and then it still leaves you 300, 360 points to do what you want with. Um, I think the fact that you've got to stay low drop makes that an un- 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 uninteresting 360 points to spend because, um, you, you know, you've got to stay below four drops with that army. But you can fit more guns than maybe you ever have had in the army. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason why they haven't got the amount of guns they need to take anything off the board. Now, I think the thing to me maybe still keep them under control and maybe everyone shouldn't be so panicked about after what I've just said and how many guns you can fit is that the um, there was armies that were going to hurt them really bad. Deepkin. I don't know how I would maybe even beat a Deepkin army with them against someone who was good. Um, Marathi was always a threat back then, right? You know, you couldn't just yeah. off the board. She could kill up and she was about then. Um, along with the minus one to hit small characters that Age of Sigmar 2 brought into play. Um, so And there's other armies out there that, that are good now as well so i am um, I, I might take them to blackout basically it depends on play i'm going to play some games with them now or it's gloom spike gits or cauldron overlords blackout because i think they've got it now like i just think yeah. i can't see how they, they're going to delete so many armors like when i played at six nations i didn't take any of the combat riggers and all my shooting nobody touched me i didn't keep up a thousand kill points in any game even against one drop silver and and all that stuff, you just delete the army. And I think the frigate coming down is the key because now they're going to get 33 guys out the ship and you can have Marathi, but they'll shoot everything else off. Um, And then you'll just just have Marathi left and then they can play the rest of the scenario. Like, I really think that, like, they are going to become, like, the the door's open now and they're running full stream towards the light. Like, carriage overlords are going to be back to that really strong first turn remove your army like even i'm like i'm painting sinesh up now and i'm like they could just take my whole army off in, in one turn like you know it's they've got so many shots now they've got an extra 12 wardens yeah it's those two those two units buffed are going to be putting you know 48 volley gun shots out what fours fours round one if memory still serves and then they've got yeah. um they've got the re-rolls six, as well Depending, depending on what lodge you're going to be in, I think, not lodge, yeah, Skyport you're going to be in, I think there's still quite a bit of debate. Um, others, debate, there's plenty of decisions you could make yourself about which one you want to play. I don't think you have to play Zilfin. Um, yeah, because the new command abilities do the same thing, don't they? You can be yeah. once hit and wound now. So you yes. can take Urbaz, double buff the Wardens, double buff the other Wardens, and then go, I'll use the command points. The other one that is talked about a lot is the Momnar, how's it pronounced, James? Barrett Momnar. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I always was gravitating yeah. towards. And you like that one because it can you can run and shoot first turn, so it allows yeah. you to put yourself in a fantastic position and really get deep up the board. Now, you can build your own Skyport, have that, and have the Zilfin re-roll ones and ones, and and still have your last bit. So I, I'm, I'm verging on, do I play my own Skyport? Like, you, you do give up a lot of other cool things that aren't just fringe you know some very powerful things in the other skyports but oh, there's this 
there's a lot of scope to do stuff with them now. I think one of the lists I wrote, which was just a bit of fun, really, and and was was Barrett Mornar, but it was uh, two chemists, three units of Arconauts, three units of six Sky Wardens, three frigates, and a for- the um, Iron Sky Squadron formation. Cool. And it's like it's basically free of everything. Like it's yeah. like it's a, a you know one one frigate with ten guys, a chemist, and six wardens in three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the it, same. Yeah. It looks cool, and you know, I don't know. Like, I, I know, I know you can just put it all in a big boat and drop from the sky, but I just don't. I think I, I don't know. I think that's cool. Well, it is cool, right? And let's let's imagine like the army I'm saying now. This core of two chemists, three archonauts, a frigate, and two into twelve sky wardens is uh, leaves, leaves you three hundred and sixty points spare, and that's three drops. Now, unfortunately, you can't. I don't think you can go over the four point, but you could three hundred sixty points. You can have like, I could have two gun haulers in there, um, and still have a hundred points. There's, there's loads of boss little things you can do. The, the thunderers have come down. I think there's scope yeah, to maybe ninety. Now, ninety, yeah. So that one eighty is a sweet spot. You know, you can get twenty thunderers for those three sixty. But what you put them in, you know, yes, the the, the ironclads come down as well. I'll take so my boats, mate. Exactly right. Oh. I, I in the Sky Squadron, honestly, all the frigates become one drop with all the characters. It's a one drop army. Yeah, I'm telling I, you, it's, no, it's that, the that, way. That, that's fair. Maybe, maybe not four, but <laughs> I've only got three. Three, okay, okay. I mean, you could run so they're, just they're two. They're going to be back in the bang. Hey? They they're going to be back in the bang, aren't they? Care? You're going to see them everywhere. Yeah, man. I think I think they're, they're cool. Back. They're back. Russ, do you think they're they're like you know some of the points I'm making that maybe they um, might keep them under control. Do you think that's nonsense? Like they're just going to blow everyone off the board? Is it worry? Should we be super worried? Or um, I think what it will do, and we've talked about the shooting meta. <laughs> like, and, and look, this, this and, time and we always talk about it, and we're like the shooting meta is coming. This back. is real though. It's coming back. <laughs> this time it's real. Yeah, uh, I think this is um, real now. This is no I joke. Think what it, I might. Even- Honestly, what I think it does, it just shifts the power balance. So we're talking about, take for example, we're talking about Nighthorn, right? So you can put a lot of stuff down. If you're playing this one-drop Zilfin army that comes to the big ball, you you can put your stuff on, in spirit realms. So you come down, shoot loads of stuff off, then you pop stuff off, charge it, and kill it all. Yeah. I think, you know, you've got Stormcast suddenly, you know, they they start coming back into that element. Deepkin, um, and the armies that are ruling the roost, your Sunesh, your Flesh Eaters, your Skaven, they're suddenly going to be going, oh, fuck me, I'm going to get shot to bits because they don't like shooting. But at but, the moment, well, there isn't enough in the game, really, is there? But KO is the uninteractive shooting, isn't it? It's not. It's not Stormcast Ballista, it's the words keep with your ordinator and you're rolling your fives to hit the D6 explosions. This is, I'm going to rend your army off the table now, turn yeah, one, and then but, you're going to take models off, and then we'll play turn two. But for me, the, the issue is Barrack Zilfin drop from the sky. Like, for me, mm. the problem with that I've had with KO, and I've got a KO army, and I, I, I can't play it, really. Because it's it's there's one build like 
with the points reduction, it allows me to look at stuff like triple frigate or you know gun haulers and you know and, and look at the other formations. And yeah, there are people that will play this drop from the sky. I've got forty eight shots, all this stuff, and they will have that uninteractive. But there's they can do that now, right? That they there's no difference. The only difference is they roll less dice, but it's still there. But I think yeah, now but, you. But the more dice is the problem. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, I mean, yeah. But I, I think KO. I think now, like if you're a, if you're a KO player and want to play KO and you want to have lots of ships and you want to use Thunderers and you want to play, you can. It's a viable option now. Unfortunately, just uh, my own personal opinion, the points can't fix the problems um, with that player interaction with that Zilfin list, it, but. Yeah. By pointing stuff out, it just the, the army becomes that or nothing. Yeah, and and for me, it needs to be. It, it, I mean, end of the day, like the, it, the gun, the guns are too needs, good for me. It I needs think, uh, to be. It needs to be played. It needs to be. You know, it needs to something needs to change on it. And I think, yeah, they might be a bit too too big the points reductions, but you know, we won't know really, will we? They don't look. I mean, like twenty points on the on the wardens and ten on the the guys. You know, it's a couple on the characters. I mean, it's a it's a big drop across the board. But I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe it's too much. Uh, maybe you know, and we'll find out. But that's yeah. But that's certainly fixed, a is it? I, I, I think certainly there's think... no harm in there's no harm in in, in it. Maybe hopefully there'll be no harm in it being tried, right? Like, because I do think there's other elements that can can stop it being being as dominant as it was in the past. There is still all the FAQs. There is new, different armies um, and, yeah, Deep Kin and Daughters and, you know, Daughters go back to minus one to hit, right? Instead of maybe yeah, yeah. drop around. I don't know, but, yeah. I think I think the meta just shifts and, and stuff just, people have to just adapt. But I think it's good to have a, a list that's back on the scene that does that to the meta. I think without mm. it, it, it kind of skews the other way. I mean everyone if, everyone hates Crystal Gore and keeps us a secret, right? So <laughs> Well, I've I've just painted a Snesh Army for the ETC. I've not I've not played a game of it yet, so I don't know. I, I for me personally I don't think keepers are that bad, but that's uh, no, when I played not. against them I didn't have that much of an issue. Um I just don't like Yahtzee Crystal Gore, basically. Um, yeah. But I mean it's an interesting discussion. We time will tell. I think definitely there is a scope for Cradrons to be a powerhouse, no doubt about it. Mm. Um, I think it's a fine balance between domination and and mediocrity with that army, and that's just the that's just the nature of 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 any anything that is skewed so far in one direction, whether that's shooting or combat. It ha- you have games like that, right? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Of course. Like... And there'll be games where you come down and shoot nothing just because you yeah. roll loads of threes, you know, and then you'll be like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and we might we might see like the onus on getting lower drops come back in, and and, and I don't know. It just, for me, it's just let's see what happens. It's, it's just nice to see that you know people who have sat with a, a Karadron Overlord army that haven't been playing it are now thinking, oh, I could do this, I could do that, I could take more, now, I could make my own Skyport. You'd never have those conversations before. You'd just be going, well, I take yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at yeah, least exactly. it's opening that up. So I think, for me, I think it it's good to 
to push you know push those buttons and see what comes out. Um, I haven't really looked for any of the other changes. Is there anything in the in the points changes you thought was particularly telling? Um, I, I would highlight Nighthorn because oh, not not because I think I think they're both winners and losers because they got some good reductions. Um, however, the Grim Gas does hurt them going up. But the heroes coming down actually, you know, can offset that to an extent. So they're not in a bad spot, and they're not a terrible army to play. Like their their power level is pretty decent. They just don't strike first, which is the only problem. Yeah, and I think um, for me, the they they are a, a bit of a winner, and out of the death as an overall. Um, maybe they're they're sort of coming into their ascension in that microcosm of death armies. Um, one thing I would say about Legion, I, I think they are they they've been they've been toned down, and I think some of the points rises are a little bit on the on the extreme side. I mean, like I think Nagashkin mm-hmm. at fifty is pretty pretty big. Um, you know, things like Arcan's gone up, Necromancers have gone up, Dogs have gone up, Grimgas have gone up twenty points per 10 that's huge increase really um mm. and i think yeah they were good you saw them a lot but i just i think it was more you didn't have a viable alternative in the book as a combat unit in legion yeah as, a, yeah. as an infantry body combat unit in legion they were they were the only choice so it wasn't the fact that they were too cheap they probably were a bit too cheap but they were the only unit. <laughs> you could mean, what else do you take? As a combat infantry, like with lots of models which you need for objectives in death, what do you take? Yeah, you can't because Skeletons the Graveyard, it's just a lot of dice for nothing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, most of the time. It's and, another example for me. It's where points don't fix it. Like No, mm-hmm. no, certainly. And, and like for me, by having to put them up for Legion, it hurts Night Nighthorn. So, you know, Direwolf's going up by 10... The Necromancer going up by twenty, Arkan going up by twenty. You know, it's just it's compound interest on that list, and especially with the changes to only be led by one command point. I think it's just it's just hammered. I actually think you might see Manfred. I actually think yeah, Manfred's a good him. choice because yeah. he's dropped. He hits like a truck. He hits really hard. His commander beat is great, and um. You know, Graveguard have come down. I think I think Manfred might be the the new go to, and it'd be lovely to see him. I'd never see him on the table. Never see him. He's on the three. Table. He's three eighty now, which is yeah. like it's actually it's actually a big deal because with That's Ark a massive going deal. On, and he can ally. Yeah. So yeah, he's pre- and he's pretty cool he's... in the story as well. I know one else, no one but me reads the narrative, but like he's really cool, Manfred, in the narrative as well. Well, I did think about how he would ally into a Legion of Grief list. Mm, with Alinda. Yeah. Uh, he's very, very good. When he charges you, you better... He wouldn't be an ally, charged. actually, but yeah. 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 He'd be mercenary, wouldn't he? No, he wouldn't, would he? No, no, he'd just be in the list, yeah. He's yeah, Death Lord, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, so he yeah. More time. yeah, but I think his command ability would be very good. Mm. And I think the other Sorry. big winner for me is Storz of Cain, because... A lot of players, I think, envisaged like maybe more extreme, more bigger changes. But because of the soft touch, I think Daughters of Cain lists are still going to be quite prominent. You know, even as like Richie's saying, maybe Calabron comes back now as well, um, and other variants of Daughters because the points allow for it. So the witches and sisters didn't get hurt that much. So Daughters lists are still going to be 
very prominent, I would imagine. Very strong. Yeah, I think so. Deepkin um, got off lightly as well. Well, yeah, we don't we don't talk about that, but that's fine. But Deepkin are fine, you know, just to go under the radar. I didn't think I didn't think Deepkin were like setting the world on fire though, to be honest. It, it's um what you've got to remember is a bit like a handbrake. Um we're we're putting like when we're doing this feedback and and stuff's being changed. There's there's a lead time, so you know if you go back to before Christmas last year, that's when you know you think what was the situation well, I, then and what is the situation now. So, I don't think Deepkin are that egregious anyway. Yes, people don't like eels, but I think as more time goes on, certainly the games I play, people are used to playing against them now, which I think is a real thing. When people know about them. And they know how I, to play around them. I don't have a problem story. playing against Deepkin. I, I never yeah. see them on the table and go, "Oh my god, these things are so stupid." I, 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 yeah. It's just they're, they're just strong, different. They're yeah. strong. People forget that my eighteen eels is half my army. So if I stack it up against like a thousand points of fire slayers with earth guard and everything, it's it's still very similar. Yes, their movement is big, and they have the you know, futan maybe gives them the zilfing effect. But it's like they, you know, could could they have got up twenty points? Yes. But, but because of the squire and other things and the turtle and the storm not coming down enough um, or at all in the storm's case, which was sad to see, um, I think it's really as you were with Deepkin. There's not much you can really do. And you, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because if you crush the Morsar Guard, you might just take the army off competitive play tables. Um, so there's also that line as well, because the army is reliant on that unit. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think time will uh, my- tell... I was going to say, the thing that bothers me about them is it is another not points problem. Like, the boats bother me and, and when they're placed and how you can place them. That, that drives me up the wall. How you place them after you know what the deployment zones are. It's just, ugh. I think that um, hopefully there'll be some help with that with the GHB rules about where you can place your terrain pieces as well. Obviously- yeah, I think, I think that changes the timing as well, doesn't it? I think. I don't know. I, I I'd think, have to read it. I can't remember. Yeah, well, right now it's that whole six inches thing, which obviously isn't going to stick around. But the, um, if they change it to something like, if, if that's something they wanted to, they wanted to stop people being able to block part of the board off with their terrain, I, I guess. Like, why would you put that rule in otherwise? Um, that Whatever they settle on. Might, it might stop that a little bit, but they, they annoy me the boats where you can place them and you can't move over them and I do find the irony from the Silver Enough player. I know. But, this is what uh, I do for us. Let's just uh, <laughs> let's just let's just uh like, obviously opening up these wounds. I don't wanna I don't wanna go down this route. Uh, alright, I think I think that'll probably do for the show guys. Um obviously we talked about a lot and, and we will cover the handbook in more detail with the regular crew uh, once things are settled down a bit, I think, and the ETC's out of the way. Um so thanks very much for coming on and um, is there anything you want to say before, before I kick you off while you've got your platform uh, go on then why not eh? <laughs> I'll say thanks for having me on Russ um, I've always enjoyed listening to your your podcast um, since you know I first got into it not long ago I think I've listened to every single one it comes out so it's a real honour to be on here um, so thank you I know, I know you've mentioned you've mentioned our events uh, yourself in the past, and it was very kind of you to a, a couple a couple back. You know how how um, we started to run some and put them on. So we have got one coming up on um, in in October. It's nineteenth twentieth. It's our second Justice Series GTA to Liverpool City Centre. 
tickets are on sale now it's you know a match play event 64 players five rounds over two days our rules pack will get finalized once like you i get me head around the uh, general's handbook completely <laughs> and um i've just had a baby so i'm a little bit sigma brain off and baby brain on but uh, i'm excited to to write a new pack and see where the faq comes out and and what we can chop and change what we allow and, and don't allow so it's uh it's pretty exciting and can't wait to to, to say what i think match play should be like going forward yeah, great well congratulations on your new arrival and thank you um yeah i mean i'm 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 hoping i can make your event actually i've been talking to les les about it but i, I don't know if i can make it but um yeah it would be cool to come and support support you i used to always do an event in um liverpool called the mersey meltdown so it'd be nice to go back up there although i, I do need to make sure i've got everything bolted down before i, I rock up to liverpool city center um that's good. Like. It's good. Keep 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 spreading those bad words about about <laughs> Liverpool. That's why, we keep, that's why we keep all you Southerners from buying all our houses cheap, since it's uh, it's actually lovely. <laughs> but yeah. don't tell anyone. All right, I won't. I won't. I was just <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, anything from you, James? Um, no, just thanks for having me on. It's been great. Uh, I love to do face armor. I'm sure we'll do one in the future. But um, yeah, it's great to come on and, and put one because we. Because me and Richie talk Warhammer for hours. You know, we talk yeah. intricacies. We talk, oh, so who have you got your prayer on? And what prayer is that? And what do you do with that? And we find all that stuff fascinating. So it's nice to spend time with other people that, because, you know, these are just conversations we all have sat around talking when we're at events anyway. Um, so it's great to put yeah. it on the air and have other people. It made me think about the game in a different way. So thanks for having me on. It's been great. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to Blackout and seeing everybody at the next event. Yeah, well, I wish you well. And um, I, won't, I won't be there, so you don't have to worry about playing me, you see, so. No, you're at ETC, so I have to worry about that. See you in your select. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, great. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. And uh, everyone listening at home, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll catch you soon. Um, So thanks very much. To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader, and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore we hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening